get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I thought Dak did a nice job. Filled up the zone with the sinker, uh, used the form um, to keep them honest. Uh, the slider in and out of the zone didn't have it as and landed as much as he did uh, his last time out, and that was a big player for him. He got a lot of swing and miss with that last time. Um, so that one wasn't in the zone as much. But overall, I felt like um, he gave us a chance. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. There's a different kind of glow to Alex Ferrario today. When his boy Dakota Hudson goes out there and has a solid performance, doesn't even have to be great, just mm. solid. Mm. I can feel a different kind of confidence exuding from that side of the room. So, Alex, I normally open up, give you my thoughts for, you know, 90 seconds or so, tell you all about what my biggest opinion is on the day. Uh Uh-uh, we're starting a little differently today. Alex, you've watched... Well, sometimes (laughs) three seconds. Come on, man. Sometimes more like seven minutes, and then you guys get a couple of minutes to react. Then we go to the next 90 seconds is your answer and questions and answers. I go to talk, BK looks at me, ah! Not we gotta go to break. Yet. We gotta I'm go to let break. You finish. <laughs> Alex, in the last two starts, Say twelve it. innings, uh, six earned yeah. runs. It's a four-five ERA. Ooh. You did it against the Rays yesterday. You did it against the Twins. Com- two potential playoff complain teams. Complain about those lineups, T-Bone. Alex, the Twins stink. Your boy looks like a legitimate number five starter right now. How you feeling? Dak, 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 screaming in your cars, ladies and gentlemen. I know you're feeling it. Dakota Hudson, as T-Bone likes to say, is bleeping back. You gave up on him before, sec- before the start against the hey, Twins. But times you pull me back yeah, in. Yeah, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in, and that's what Dakota Hudson did. Now, look, it was a good showing. I'm going to be I'm gonna be grounded here and understand that. Kind of that- like Dakota Hudson's ground balls that he gets. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, nice. buddy. Nice. T-Bone, you wish you could make those dad jokes. Don't become him. <laughs> He's going to. It's just it's just getting warmer and warmer. No, look, Dak. Dak has taken advantage of this opportunity. We remember with Steven Matz where it was, you're in the bullpen, you haven't been good, and then they give it to him, and it's like the bleep you, I'm going to take this opportunity. That's kind of what Dakota Hudson's done. And to do that performance against the Tampa Bay Rays, yeah, I glimmer a little bit because when you've got swing and miss stuff, when I don't have to hear T-Bone whine and moan about oh, all he does is walk the batters, when he's getting the swings and misses, when he's giving you yeah, innings, kinda. what? What? There wasn't a lot of swing and misses. There were swings and misses in the Minnesota Twins you game. Wanted That's to see what swing I'm going and miss, You should have watched Baltimore's game last night. No, I I'm have better things that. to do with my Woo! evening than to worry about you that. You want to get excited, but Jack Flaherty's back. He should Baltimore. be the poster child of the depth you have in your system for next season. And to me, you can go and 
Snorkel if you'd like, John Mosellock. Tell Michael Gersh to put that scuba gear away. But you're going to be searching for somebody to do what Dak's done in two starts. Now, I still need to see like three more of these before I'm fully on board with this. But you're going to pay somebody six, seven, eight million dollars to try and give you what Dak gave you in the last two starts. And if he does it the rest of the way, how can you argue he not an option for your fifth starter spot next year? Simone? Yeah, I... I've been impressed with what Dak's done in his first two starts. Now, I'm kind of with Alex. Like, it feels very precautionary to where it's like, okay, I've seen Dak before. My toe's only going in that pool. Yeah, I I don't want to go all the way in yet. Uh, That water's kind of chill. I need to warm everything else up before I get in. But uh, he's been impressive. And, look, he continues to pitch like this. I I think there is a serious conversation to be had about him being – tendered a contract this offseason and considering him to be the number five starter going into the year. And that means Matt's gets bumped up to the four. And then you're really looking to only improve two spots. And those two spots would be one and two. So if he continues to pitch well, I think it is totally fair to have a conversation say, hey, maybe we can have Dakota Hudson as our number five starter next year. Not going to make a lot of money. We probably would have to pay more on the open market to go get somebody to fill his spot. And he is the perfect number five starter. Five and dive, you're you're a little on needles for most of that five, but five and dive gives you a solid outing each time out, and then you can turn things over to a bullpen. So I, I've been really impressed with him. He's going to have to continue to do that, as Alex said, if he's going to really lock his name in on that five spot. But, yeah, I, I think he's been good. And the thing encouraging for me yesterday, only one walk, and, and that's the biggest thing. If Hudson's not walking, guys, he's got stuff to where he's not going to get a ton and swing and miss. But he's going to keep hitters off balance, get some ground ball outs, as you saw yesterday, some that do sneak through, some that go really far. But I, I've been impressed with what Dak's been in his first two starts. And his next start, he's going up against Oakland. <laughs> you, my man's going to have a no-hitter. Here's the problem. This is what is unfortunate about a game like that for Dakota Hudson. There's only downside. Like, there's no yeah. upside baked into it whatsoever. Because if he goes out there and pitches kind of similar to what he did yesterday, you're like, okay, yeah, fine. It was it was an okay outing by Dakota Hudson. If it goes poorly, which is going to happen at some point, like because of the way that Dakota Hudson pitches, you're going to have bad outings where the balls get through. We see this with Miles Michaelis, right? You're you're somewhere on the spectrum of like Marcus Stroman's like the best case scenario for a pitcher like this. And then last year, Dakota Hudson is the worst case scenario, right? And everybody is somewhere in between on that ground ball spectrum of starters. So Dakota's going to have days where he looks kind of Marcus Stroman like. And then he's going to have days where he looks kind of like he did last year, where he's walking too many guys, doesn't have great command, doesn't have feel for the slider, not getting any, any swing and miss. And then the ground balls just get through, kind of similar to what happened to Andre Pallante a couple of days ago. So that's going to happen for him eventually. But it's impossible not to be impressed by what we've seen from him. And I think this was the biggest thing that the Cardinals accomplished at the deadline. It was not about improving their number one, number two, number three starter going into next season. What they accomplished at the trade deadline, and Hudson is a part of this group of players, was adding to the depth of the rotation. So that way they don't get into a spot next year or in 2025, like they did in 21, where they had to bring in Jay Happ and John Lester and give up Lane Thomas and uh, a prospect that didn't end up working out, but somebody that they had to give up in that deal to get Jay Happ here. Don't do that. Don't worry about that in the future. Now you have... Rom, you've got Roby, you've got these guys that have now kind of backfilled the depth at the AAA and AA level, and that is where Dakota Hudson fits into things as well. If you can't find a number five starter at a reasonable cost this offseason, and you go into the 
spring training next year with Hudson and Thompson hey. and Liberator no. and Graceffo and more McGreevy. Positive. And you want to throw all of those guys into a bin and you say, one of them is going to come out of this thing victorious as their number five starter. You can convince yourself of it. It can make sense that way. You just have to have the front end starters to make up for it. You've got to have a Nola and Snell or a Nola and Sonny Gray, something like that at the front end of your rotation to make up for the fact that, yeah, day five, fifth day starter, probably not going to feel great about it every fifth day. But Dakota Hudson can be a part of that mix. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. And somebody texted in on our Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646 saying, you idiots haven't learned anything, have you? Oh, no, I've learned plenty. I've learned that this team can't go into next season saying Miles Michaelis is our number one and Steven Matz, if we squint hard enough, can be our number three. The only reason I'm talking about Dakota Hudson in this spot or Matthew Liebertor in this spot or Zach Thompson in this spot is because we are all in the same room with the understanding that they're going to spend a lot of money or draft equity, draft equity, trade equity this offseason so I don't have to worry about my number five. Right. Basically, I yeah. expect one through four to be so good. Every fifth day, I'm fine if we lose because I'm winning one through four. What's a fifth of 162? Somebody do quick math for me 33. right now. 33. That means That's I'm true. going like 129 that. and 33. I don't well, think that, that was totally yeah, right. Well, right. you did your math. 29 and 33 is 62. 68. Wow, yeah, about 33. Really about right. There we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I will say BK was right about some, uh, right about saying, you know, you need to look. Sorry, I said hold on, something. Say that again. That was a little bit of anger from yesterday. <laughs> I apologize. Um, oh, so you hold your anger. I, I did like what BK said, though, is if you can't find somebody to improve that spot, you should still be looking in Boy. the offseason and be looking at a. <laughs> <laughs> what? Did you just do it? <laughs> quarter of 162 is like 40. Somebody, oh. somebody texted it in, didn't they? No, I just <laughs> went to a calculator. I like, like I said, the math teacher said that I wouldn't have a calculator. 122 and 40. That's a great season. Yeah! Anyways, as BK was saying, they should go in the offseason be looking to improve upon Dakota Hudson, even yeah. as that five-starter. Yeah. Trading someone Add for like a in. Clark Schmidt, for example, or signing someone like a James Paxson to a deal. But And if you do that, you can also still tender Hudson a contract because he's not going to be overly expensive. And he goes down to the minor leagues or is in the bullpen as a long relief guy and is the first option that can come up when start if somebody gets injured. And I think that's the best case scenario. But I think you're right. I think you're right where you said if you can't get someone and it's outpriced, Clark Schmidt costs too much in trade or James Paxton markets a lot higher than you were expecting. You don't want to overpay for that kind of guy. You can go into the season with Dakota Hudson as a five along with those other names that you had mentioned. In poker, they call it having multiple outs, right? I- Alex, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Oh, I always have outs. If you've got a hand and you've only got one out, you're screwed. And that's what the Cardinals have right now, honestly, with the front end of their rotation. They've got like three outs. It's like the front end of the rotation options are Otani, Snell, Urias, and Nola. That's funny. And they're not going to be in on Urias. They're not going to be in on Otani. So you basically have to get one of Nola or Snell to feel really great about who the, the front end of your rotation is next year. And... That ain't a great place to be in if you're playing a game of poker, right? You're all in, Alex. You got one out. You probably didn't play that hand yeah, very you're well. You're losing money. That's where the Cardinals are at at the front end. At the back end of their rotation, they got a lot of outs. They got a lot of potential options. They're throwing numbers at the problem as opposed to quality. They're going with quantity. That doesn't always end up working out, but it could. 
and they've got now one piece to that puzzle that could factor into it that about a month ago, I was just saying he's a non-tender candidate. So Dakota Hudson has played himself into potentially being a part of the Cardinals plans in 2024. He needs to keep doing it. I need to see this the rest of the way. This is what August and September is going to be about for the Cardinals. About guys playing their way into their plans for 2024. Dakota Hudson is trying to do exactly that. Honestly, what he's really doing is keeping like Michael McGreevy out of your big league rotation right now because you got to keep finding out. You got to keep getting answers on whether or not Dakota Hudson can be a part of the solution here in St. Louis. By the way, the other place that this is happening is in the bullpen. Jojo, <laughs> working your way into my plans, big guy. I like what we're seeing from Jojo Romero. Is he going to get a circle of trust shirt? No. John no. King. Nobody gets And I'm those. not talking about the, uh, the news broadcaster, John King. No, no, no. The guy that is in your bullpen right now. The lefty reliever that's doing his best TJ McFarland impersonation. Oh. Working his way into the Cardinals' plans in the bullpen in 2024. Do we really need another TJ McFarland? Hey, that year one, do you remember how sweet oh, that yeah. was? Well, could say that for a lot of relievers, how sweet those year ones were. And that's and then why you, he's going to make a million bucks to throw one inning, Roel go up Ramirez. against lefties, come into a game, especially when there's a guy on first. You need that double play ball. He's got an 80% ground ball rate. 80%. Yeah, that guy can be a part of my bullpen as a flexible piece that can go up and down between the big leagues and AAA. So like what they've got there, JoJo, like I said, has been a part of that. Your four or five of the roles in the bullpen are probably going to be established by the end of the season. And then you got to find your other three. And that's where some of the trades will have to take place. And one of those other three needs to be high leverage role. Because I, I don't want to rely on two of those four that you already got or three of those five that you already got for high leverage. Right now, it's Geo and Helsley get the high leverage, and I haven't even seen Helsley. So I, I need to see that again before I can feel comfortable with it. Don't go into it and say, well, we got all these guys for high leverage, so we'll just add some back-end guys that can just help out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think you still look for one high leverage arm, and if JoJo pans out, then that is perfect. I, I just feel like, as we've talked about with relievers and how volatile they are, JoJo's in a hot streak right now, and it, he's got to prove it the rest of the way. And even if he does, I still would prefer to get another high-leverage arm that's proven it. And then if JoJo repeats it, then great. You've got four high-leverage arms, and what have I always been clamoring you need in the postseason? Get more, five. Four. Well, okay, fine. We can have five, Why but I've five? always clamored for four. I, I like what he's doing. I like what we're seeing out of him. I think he's a gamer. I also would prefer to use him in the sixth inning than the seventh or the eighth inning next year. Like that's kind of how I view it. Use him as a mix and match guy in the sixth. And if you've got somebody better, that's probably the ideal scenario. I just don't want to pay a bunch of money. I don't want to pay three years at $10 million per season for a reliever. I don't want to go out and get Josh Hader. Don't do that. Go get the secondary options. Go get the guys that are in that like mid-tier shelf that you can get for one year, 10 million bucks in the bullpen. Come in and give you 60 innings next year. Those are the players that I right. like to add to my Open bullpen. up the wallet, man. Yeah. Let's just start spending. We'll bring back Hicks. See this little list here? Snell, Urias, Nola, Yamamoto, Gray, Stroman, Rodriguez, Gialli. This is what you're spending. That's fine, but what's the 10? The grocery list has a long but list what's of What's 10 items. more million dollars? Yeah. Like, you've already spent 60. Why not 70? It's like Come on, you, Bill. It's I like, like uh, when you walk by and you see those cosmic brownies. Do you really need them? No. But I want some cosmic brownies. I'm willing to go the That's extra That's why distance. I grocery shop with my kids, because I yeah. I lie and say they said they wanted it. Yeah. You know what the most surprising thing to come from this segment Cosmic was? brownies? Him knowing what cosmic brownies oh, are. Oh, are you kidding? Brownies are great. Cosmic brownies are, are forever young. Now, granted, you may get a little bit of belly like me, but they're fine. You go Tanner didn't know distance. what a toaster was until this morning. Tanner Googled what a toaster was. I don't use toast. I don't I make toast like... that often. No, no, not just not often. Yeah. 
Tanner lived with his Mima. And apparently Mima didn't have yeah. a toaster. Oh no, she had a toaster. How do you not know what a toaster is then? I was just making sure that I wasn't getting confused for something <laughs> then else. Then we find out that Rockio doesn't have a toaster, but instead to toast his bread, he puts it on a frying pan on top of his oven. Like what world are we living in? He essentially makes grilled cheese with just toast. Yeah. <laughs> when a toaster is $10. It's unbelievable. $10! There's a lot going on here on the station today. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, speaking of a lot going on, there's a lot going on with Tyler O'Neill's knees, apparently. Uh. So much so <laughs> that he couldn't even get out there for nine innings again. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Didn't feel comfortable playing today, so we scratched him, and uh, Burleson uh, ended up DH and went nuke on the left. So that was Ollie Marmol a couple of days ago talking about why Tyler O'Neill was not able to perform in game one of this series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Alex, the expectation was, ah, he'll be right back in the lineup for game number two against Tampa Bay. And he was out he there was. getting some work, and they got him in the lineup, and it was all released. And I don't remember, did the fast lane do a lineup game with or without Tyler O'Neill At the time that they did it, was he in the lineup? I can't tell Hold what he said. Oh, with. He was in the lineup, and they did the lineup game, which meant it was official. Until it wasn't. Uh-huh. Tyler O'Neill went awkward. back to Ollie Marmel again yesterday in game two of this series down in Tampa Bay and said, my knees hurt. Oh, really? Well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty. So Derek Gould had this in his story, said, quote, I want to understand the differences of playing surfaces and what that does to a body. I want to be full throttle, and I didn't feel like I could do that. That is what Tyler O'Neill told Derek Gould. Follow up question. Has Tyler O'Neill ever been full throttle? I feel Not like he was playing full throttle within the last couple of weeks. I thought he looked really good, like genuinely looked amazing. And then he said he felt limited by the turf on Tuesday, and he wanted to remain off of his feet on Wednesday. Quote, turf isn't too kind to my knees, end quote. Alex? I'm sure Paul Goldschmidt, the almost 40-year-old, is probably thinking, ah, can handle this turf. My knees are fine. Can you imagine being Brendan Donovan, for example, and seeing this story pop up this morning? When you're going out there every day, as your arm is hanging on by a thread, and you know you need surgery, T-Bone knew that he needed surgery. T-Bone isn't a doctor, but T-Bone has been saying on our station for two months, hey, Brendan Donovan's going to have to get surgery. He had no inside information. It was just very clear to anybody. T-Bone's not a doctor, but he does like like, cosmic brownies. And BK's like, let's give him a shot and see if it improves. And Brendan Donovan kept going out there every single day because he wanted to bust his ass for his team as a designated hitter. And you know what he did? He became one of the best hitters in baseball while he was DHing for the Cardinals because he thought, this is how I can contribute to my team winning. Tyler O'Neill looks at that and says, eh, not feeling it. Not feeling it today, boys. Gonna have to take another day off while we're down there in the trop. So he took yesterday off, and he's throwing off all of the other plans that Ollie had for his lineup because we know how this works. Ollie writes it out as to how he wants to utilize the DH, how he wants to utilize the day, days off for his guys. He's got these things pre-planned. And when Tyler O'Neill comes up to him in his office, hour, two hours before the game, and says, hey, Skipper, not feeling it today. My knee is a little tender. 
the the turf just doesn't sit right with me. Do you think he whispers that because he doesn't want Nolan Arenado to hear him say that? Dude, I would be furious if I was one of his teammates. Absolutely furious. You can't go out there and perform because you're not quite feeling it today, dude. This is why you can't trust him. You cannot go into next season with this guy on your roster. I'm sorry. I get it. Like, I would love to feel 100% every day that we come into work. Guys, I got a newborn at home. Not quite getting the same amount of sleep. I'm a little more grouchy lately. But Tell guess me what? about it. You come into work and you perform the best way that you know how to, right? Adam Wainwright was talking about it earlier today on the morning show. He's talking about how, hey, all my kids have a little different sleep schedules. They've got different stuff that they've got going on. He's been up late at night lately with his kids, right? Up to like 3 a.m. He gets up early in the morning to take them all to school. So he's getting like no sleep at home. Guess what? He finds a way to perform. Now, the results aren't always there. Wayno's been getting shellacked a little bit lately. But guess what? He goes out there and he tries. Tyler O'Neill can't even be expected to do that. Man, I understand that your injury report reads as if we're singing a song of head, shoulders, knees, and toes. But... Dude, you got there, man. Way to go. <laughs> At a certain point, you just got to go play. Oh. T-Bone, question for you. Should we redact Tyler O'Neill's name from BK's vocabulary? Because we're getting close to that, that path now. Like No, because this one DC. is fair. Oh, this okay, is, you're on that one. I mean, I think the DC one is fair, but this one is he, really fair. Here's my question. Why do we need to see more from Tyler O'Neill? I, the only thing now you're showcasing him like yeah. now what you're doing the rest but of every this team season. No, I don't care what he does the rest of the season. Every team knows that in Tyler O'Neill's career, he's going to be hurt for probably two to three months. And the Rays know they can't trade for him now. Every that, that's true. Yeah, that's, any team that has turf knows. Yeah. yeah, every team, regardless if Tyler O'Neill becomes Babe Ruth the rest of this season, knows that he's going to be a liability all season. So you're not showcasing him because you're not going to get the value that you deem Tyler O'Neill. So why keep playing him? Uh, it's a fair point, honestly. Like, I have Alec Burleson. I've got Juan Yepes, who I know is not an outfielder, but you still have him. If I'm Dylan Carlson, for example. I'm playing every damn day. I, I go to Ollie and I say, Ollie, you put me in that lineup and I will do everything that I can for you every single night. I never well, want to be hurt. scratched. Yeah. I never want to be scratched. Like, I just, I want an opportunity here. This guy doesn't want to play. Fine. Give me that chance. And like, listen, I'm I'm lower on Carlson than most. I understand that. If he goes up to Ollie and he busts his ass and he performs the rest of the you way. You can showcase him. Absolutely. And Carlson could work his way back into your plans. If Carlson for the next two months becomes the player that the text line tells me that he is, then I will say give him another chance I, i'm more than happy to do that but he's got to go out there and show it and he hasn't done that so far this year tyler o'neill has been given plenty of opportunities it no longer is about opportunity for him now it's about him at a certain point you didn't perform or you were unwilling to perform last year i think he was unwilling to perform guys i think he could have gone out there and played in the postseason and tyler o'neill said mm, not quite 100 percent and the Cardinals said, you know what? Bleep that. Go to Arizona then. We don't even want you around the team. I was shocked that he came back this year. And I think that is part of what led to the early season call out. And now we're seeing it, right? Like if you see this coming out publicly, now think about what they knew internally and how that led to the comments that we heard from Ali Marmol earlier in the season. Maybe there was a little more something there. 
Maybe we were a little critical, not us on the show, but in general, like the, the generic. No, we because I was Ollie. I was critical of Ollie there because I'm like, why are you calling out this dude right now who is trying to figure this out? If he is focused on getting back to what he was in 2021, a guy who could play 130 plus games in a season, then let him figure it out. But I'm past that now. I understand but where Ollie time, came from. I think we now know. Yeah, to your point, I, know I think where we now from. know why he called him up. Yeah, because this like if he's willing to do this now. When you're supposed to be showcasing your abilities, like imagine what he was doing in April. Imagine what he was doing in March. Well, hey, can I when give he was basically handed the center field. Can job. I give you a tinfoil? I think Tyler O'Neill knows that the Cardinals aren't going to move on from him. I think he sees the writing on the wall. Oh, that, I think it's the opposite. I think he knows that they are going to move I think on from him. I think they're him. both ready for a break. But if you're know. him, they've already told Dylan Carlson you're the fourth outfielder when Tyler O'Neill comes back. So if you're Tyler O'Neill, you're looking at this as, okay, well, you're not going to trade me unless you get the value you deem me to be. And you've already told Dylan Carlson that you're moving on. So what's your I move? Mean, so I mean, you know he what should I don't understand, playing? though, is the money aspect of this. Yeah, because he, like, right now, he's a non-tender candidate. And he's going to, like, even if he did get, ten- like, let's say they, they decided to say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and go through arbitration with you. They're going to trade him before they get to arbitration, I would assume. So the Cardinals won't be the one that goes there with him. But every at-bat that he takes the rest of the year could make him more money. That's what this should be about. Like, if you're Tyler O'Neill's agent, I would be on the phone with him immediately and saying, yo, you got to get back out there. Because the more days off that you take, the more that is going to be be utilized against you in any arbitration hearing, whether it's with the Cardinals or another team. They're going to come back and say, dude, you've been healthy for one season in your entire major league career. And even that season, you were injured for about a month. But he play, like, oh, he, I get it. But remember, he was gone for about a month and then came back and turned into that MVP. Yeah, I just nothing about this screams. I need to have this as a part of my long term plans. Hell, it's just your immediate future, like short term plans. If they decided today, you know what? We're calling up Luke and Baker. That's what I was going to ask. Luke and you deserve these opportunities over Tyler O'Neill. Like we're going to give. Luke and Baker, the DH opportunity, and that means that there's going to be more chances in the outfield for Burleson, Burleson and Dylan Carlson. I, I would be totally fine with it because that that's what Tyler O'Neill ended up getting out of this. If O'Neill's knees are bothering this much, go on the aisle. I, I was just going to say, if you want a big cojones move, I don't think the Cardinals would do this if you're trying to get value in it. If you want to uh, set a culture right now in your locker room of, like, we're trying to win and we don't, ta- we don't use excuses— you release him. So that's it's something that I had it had crossed my mind honestly was do you consider DFAing him? But then I thought no, was, you can't do that because of the asset. I, you're not going to get much in return for Car- or for O'Neill, but you this offseason you could get a reliever for him. Yeah. So what's what's worth more to your organization? And I think it's a fair question. Can you to trade ask. him when you DFA him? At this point, you could, that you but you're kind of hamstrung on what you're doing, and you can't get somebody the team, on the forty man. And the team that you're trading him to I cannot be, utilize him in the postseason. Uh, so, like, I gotta be honest, I don't think you're getting somebody on your forty man for Tyler O'Neill in the offseason, even if he be, has a good way down the road. To get a reliever, I like, think you're going to get an A ball or a double A player for Tyler O'Neill. And frankly, that's fine. But I'm just, and again, it's a big cojones move that like even a Doug Armstrong might not do. Yeah, but. If you're going to look at your team and tell Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and also tell the Jordan Walkers and Nolan Gorman's like, hey, this team is contending now, then you're going to look at Tyler Neal and say, hey, Tyler, appreciate what you've well, done for us, but we're done. To your point there, and we were just at the ballpark for the trade deadline. This team was being blown up in the process. And Ali Marmola told us on the record, you know, what, what is a winning player? We like players with winning culture. Tyler O'Neill's a losing player. Yep. 
That's what he is. He's a guy that won't go on the field while he's not even 100%. And look, again, I'm not saying you should play if you're injured, but there's a difference between hurt and injured. And he is. he basically told the media yesterday, I'm, I'm sore, I'm hurt, but I'm not injured. Because if he was injured, he's on the IL. And even if he's hurt, he should be DH. And you know why? Because he wouldn't even touch the turf yesterday. I bet you Ollie told him, and T-Bone, I'll give you credit. You brought this up in our pre-show meeting as well. I bet you Ollie went to him and said, you're not good enough to be in the outfield? And Tyler said, no, I, I can DH, though. And Ollie probably said, hell no, you're not DHing. If you're not good enough to be in the outfield, you're not going to give us 100%. So we're good. You let us know when you're ready to go, and we'll put you back out there. But in the meantime, we're going to give guys that want to play an opportunity to be the DH today. Those are going to be the guys that we go out there and run with. So, Newt, you're a DH today. You're going to go out there. Carlson, you got the opportunity in center field because Tyler O'Neill took the day off yesterday. I really wish Dylan Carlson went out there and went like four for four. He had a pretty good day. One for two with uh, with two walks in that in that game. Fine. But I, I think you should put him back out there today. I, 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 just, I, say, I would run it back with Dylan Carlson today. If O'Neal is healthy, quote-unquote healthy today, and says, I'm 100%. Not playing. If I'm all in one role, I would not play him. No, I, I would sit Dylan Carlson down and say, Dylan. Unless somebody needs a day. Like, if there's somebody yeah, else that comes okay. to you and says, like, yeah. I, I can't do it. I, but I would yeah, I'm with sit you. Dylan down and say, Dylan, you're playing for the majority of this season as our left fielder. And okay. then I would tell Tyler O'Neill, you're only playing when guys need days off. Yeah. And that's that's a manager putting his foot down saying, I'm not dealing with this. And I'm sure Ollie would like to do it, but obviously you have to manage the assets, which is why it's such a big cojones move. But this is how you get the buy-in back from a lot of people in that room and how you set the tone for those younger players somebody said guys you all got big balls behind those microphones yeah listen like i'm not you guys should know this by now if you've listened to this show for any amount of time i'm more than happy to consider the other side of a story absolutely right like if there is something more to be had here than what we are discussing we would be looking for it this has been an ongoing issue now for five years with Tyler O'Neill, And there was a point in time where I was like, oh, you know what? He just had some really bad breaks. And even last year going into the, the postseason, I was like, you know what? Maybe he really is more hurt than what we are currently discussing. But in 2019, 60 games. 2022, 95 games. This year, 45 games. There have been times publicly and privately where the Cardinals have said, "Mm, not totally sure this guy is giving 100% effort or not sure he's willing to play when he's not at 100%. And yesterday for him to go out publicly and say, the reason I'm not playing is because I don't like the way that my knees react to the turf. Go ask any athlete you've ever met in your life how they would respond if their teammate said that publicly. Scott Rowland spent an entire career playing on turf, and he talked about how his knees were never the same. Just go go ask anybody how they would react if their teammate said publicly, my knees hurt because of the turf. I'm a nerd. Man. I, I can't play sports for my life. You guys saw what it looked like when I attempted to do a home run derby. I would be furious about that. All I ask is that when you're with us, you're 100% all in, right? That's how I approach this show. When we're here, we're in this thing together. We're giving everything we got. We got to be prepared. We got to be ready to go. And this is like a, a one one thousandth as important as what the Cardinals are trying to accomplish. Those dudes have to be furious, absolutely furious. And if they decided today, hey, we're putting them on the IL. We'll figure this thing out later on. We'll, we'll worry about you when we get there. I I would totally understand. Coming up next, would you rather have a big-time regular season goalie or a postseason goalie that may have some struggles during the regular season? It's a question me and Alex kicked around earlier today. We'll get to it next year on 101 ESPN.
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Count that, that big bang. I woke up today and I saw the NHL's five best goalie contracts over on the athletic alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Alex, I had a pretty good idea that Jordan Bennington's contract would not be a part of these rankings. Yeah, everybody cates on Bennington. But I did want to get your thoughts on the players that were and how they compare to Jordan Bennington. So the five goalies that they had on this over on The Athletic were Jake Ottinger, Yusei Saros, uh, Linus Ulmark, Philip Gustafsson, and Stuart Skinner. Those were the five goalies that they had as the best contracts right now in the NHL. I'm not going to really argue one way or the other on any of them. I think that's a totally reasonable list of the five best goalie contracts uh, given what they're making and the term that is available to each of them. But Alex, one of the things that you mentioned in our office was hey, a lot of these guys are really great regular season goalies, but they're unproven at best in the postseason. And that is one thing that you can't say about Jordan Bennington. Bennington's almost the opposite. I have no idea if Jordan Bennington is a honestly, even a one, a goalie in the regular season. I'm not really sure about that, but in the postseason, I know that dude is going to show up in a big way. If you get to the playoffs, if you have another player in the tandem of goalies with you to help you rise to the level where you can get in, he's going to give you an opportunity to get through the playoffs. It's kind of like Jimmy Butler. If you've got Jimmy Butler on your NBA team, he's not going to be the guy that gets you into the playoffs as like a top four seed. Just not going to happen. He kind of coasts through the regular season. But if you've got Jimmy Butler on your team in the playoffs in the NBA, it's a pretty good chance you're going to be able to get through the NBA playoffs or at least get deep into them because he takes his game to another level. He is that guy at in net. Alex, when you look at what you could have as a goalie, would you rather have the Jordan Bennington type or one of these guys that's obviously great in the regular season every year, but you've got some questions marks about what they're going to be in the postseason. I take the postseason guy every day of the week. Now, if I get the best of both worlds, obviously you want that, but that's very few and far between goalies in the NHL. Jordan Bennington is an average goaltender in the regular season, a 906 save percentage and a 278 goals against like that's average. And I thought his best regular season second to that all-star uh, season. And then of course the Stanley cup run was this year. It's just the numbers didn't pay out because he had just terrible play in front of him, but Give me the playoff performer any day of the weekend goal because that's what's going to win you a Stanley Cup. You've got to have the goaltender who's on the hot streak or who knows how to win in those big moments compared to regular season goalie. And guys, the biggest and perfect example is the guy who just won the Vezina this year, Linus Olmark. Like, I'm sure everybody would love to have Linus Olmark tear it up in the regular season. Oh, yeah. But do you really want a guy in the postseason who's got a career 888 save percentage oof. and allows about three and a half goals per game? Bad big oof. Defense. That was not bad defense. I'm sorry. But, like, 
you say Soros is a great goalie, but the last couple of years, he's been average in the playoffs. Jake Ottinger, although he's great in the regular season, also great in the postseason. So I want my guy to be really good in the playoffs. And I think the perfect comp, and I told you guys I came up with this for Jordan Bennington, is Kari Lettinen. And I don't know if people remember this guy. He was a longtime goalie for the Dallas Stars, for the Atlanta Thrashers. He was an incredible regular season goalie. He won Vezina or had Vezina votes in 2013. That same season that he got Vezina votes, he had an 885 save percentage and a three and a half goals against in the playoffs. Give me the playoff goalie because I know I've got a chance to make a run if I get in rather than a regular season goalie. If I get in, I know he's going to crumble in a big moment. Yeah, I, I definitely would want the playoff goalie because of what you just said. Because if you get into the playoffs, I want that guy that can make sure that he doesn't crumble under the pressure of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That way you can advance deep into the playoffs. But with that being said, I almost think the Blues need Bennington to be a regular season goalie this year if they want to get to the playoffs. Because I, I think his numbers, though I agree with you, I, when you look at his numbers, they are so skewed by the defense last year. But I, there were times last year I still think that there should have been more improvement from Jordan Bennington. And with that being said... I think they need him to be a regular season goalie this year. They need to see an uptick in his numbers, even with the defense being bad in front of him. Because if if he doesn't and they don't see that improvement, then they're not going to be a playoff team. Like, Bennington is the guy that is going to be the number one X factor, like most goalies are, of course. But is going to be one of the number one X factors in terms of can this team get back into the playoffs. And again, I don't think he had an awful year last year. I know the numbers say he did, and those were skewed. But he needs to have a regular season where I don't go... Oh, man, he looks shaky at this time. Otherwise, they are not a playoff team this year. Yeah, he, he needs to have the season that he had when he was an all-star before the pandemic hit. I, I mean, he was legitimately a really good regular season goaltender. And then it just crumbled from that point all the way up until this season. Do you How much, how much do you look into who their backup is because of the fact that you have Jordan Bennington as your starter? I, I mean, I always value the backup. Like, you have to have somebody who can come in, and I, I think Darren Pang used to say it all the time. Like, you expect about 25 to 30 games from your goaltender, and you need that backup to win about 15 to 20 of those. So I, I expect I expect that backup goaltender to be able to get you on a hot streak if your number one goes down, because every number one is going to have their cold streaks. I think it matters more, though, with Bennington. I would agree. I think the Blues are just notorious for needing two goaltenders to get through a regular season. The last time they had a guy who carried them from start to finish in the regular season, Cujo, Grant Fuhrer, I would say. like Jake Allen, Brian Elliott, Carter Hutton, Halak. Jordan Bennington, Halak, Ville Husso, Like They've always used two goaltenders. And when they haven't used two, goal, two goaltenders... Chad Johnson, the year that Bennington got called up, and last year with Thomas Grice. Look at how that goes. So since the start of the 2020 season, so not the one that was finished early because of the pandemic, but the one that started during the pandemic, right? Since then, Jordan Bennington at 5-on-5 has a 9-12 save percentage. There are 24 NHL goalies that have played at least 100 games in that stretch. Bennington's save percentage ranks 19th among them. That is behind Cam Talbot. It is behind Darcy Kemper. It is behind Veli Husso. It is behind Carter Hart. It's behind most of the legitimate number one goalies in the NHL. The reason why I bring that up, Alex, is because I think it speaks to who he is as a goalie during the regular season. He's more similar to like Philip Grubauer or Martin Jones in the regular season than he is like a Yusei Saros or Andre Vasilevsky. But when you get into the postseason, he becomes one of those guys. And so I think for the Blues, more so than the vast majority of these other teams that are around the league that are considered to be legitimate contenders, 
I think if you're the Blues, you have to have a legitimate backup goalie. I think it becomes paramount for your success. Like if the Blues were going into this season and they say they were saying we're all in. If this was a year kind of like 2019 where they went into it really believing in the roster, I think you would need to invest, not like 10 million bucks or anything, but need to invest in your backup goalie because you know there's going to be like a one-month stretch where you just can't trust Jordan Bennington to be in net on a night-in, night-out basis. Yeah, and I, I, another really good comp for that is Minnesota. Minnesota yeah. put all the eggs in the basket of Marc-Andre Fleury when they moved on from Cam Talbot, and Marc-Andre Fleury is a fine regular season goalie, but he's not going to get you to the promised land. That's why they needed their backup. It was Talbot for a while, then it was Felix or, uh, Gustafson, who is now on that contract that they just mentioned in that piece. But there are teams that need two goaltenders to get to the playoffs. Now, I don't see Hofer playing 40, 50 games this season. I I think he's probably going to play somewhere between 25 and 30, which means Bennington's going to have a bigger workload. But you need Hofer to be just as serviceable as Jordan Bennington if you want to make the playoffs because that's how the Blues work. He's Alex Ferrario. He's going to be on Blues pre and post games this year. That's Tanner Hendrickson. Oh, God, you I'm scared me. I thought Kylie. it was tonight. I'm like, come on, I got a like month still. Coming up next, three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get some questions and answers here on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on one hundred and one ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. I'm Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Let's start with this, guys. What are your thoughts on Matthew Libertor getting a start tonight in the place that it all began for him? Tampa Bay. I expect him to strike out Randy Rosarena and every Cardinals fan say, hey, Cardinals won the deal. It'll be the same joke that everybody makes on Twitter. Can't wait. I'll be making it. My my tweet's already scheduled. Ready to go. Why? Dude, why? Why do you have to be like that? Why are you the way that you are? It's a fair question. I'm totally planning on seeing a home run from a Rosarena tonight. Oh, God, yeah. I'm expecting two. Ooh. I hate everything. I mean, he had an off night last night against Hudson. Um, well, call me worried. By the way, have you looked at Randy Rosarena's splits? I didn't realize how splitty he was. He well, here's did, BK saying he's Dylan Carlson. He's like Dylan Carlson plus, like a better version of Dylan Carlson because he's. I mean, I'd sign up for that. Sure, absolutely, if Dylan Carlson could get to where he is, where Randy Rosarena is against righties, you'd be thrilled about it. But in his career, he's like a 7.30 OPS guy against right-handed pitching. He just absolutely mashes lefties, which doesn't. Doesn't set up well, to say the least, for Matthew Liberatore tonight. In all seriousness, though, like, I would imagine this is going to be a pretty big day for Matthew Liberatore in terms of what he's feeling emotionally. This is a team that gave up on you, more or less, when you were a top 100 prospect, and it has gone as poorly as you could ever ask for since the moment that that deal happened. And you know he's keeping an eye on how a Rosarena performs because those guys look at who they were traded for and say, oh, bleep, are you kidding me? Have you ever heard of Monroe St. Brown talk about the wide receivers that were selected before him in the NFL draft? Like These guys remember that stuff. So, I And I would say a guy getting traded, it probably stings even more than players drafted above that player. We've heard Wayno talk about this a number of times, about how much it hurt him that Atlanta gave up on him, quote-unquote. And he understands, like J.D. Drew, good player. He helped them. It it made sense for both teams at the time. 
I will be very curious to see how he responds to that. Because emotionally, this is going to be a big night for him. It's He's going to be wearing it. I'll be... I think this is a really good game to get a legitimate evaluation on, on Libertor, both because it's a good lineup he's going up against and because of how much emotion he's going to be feeling going into and, it. And I'll be curious to see if he's got like an uptick in velo at yeah. the very beginning. I, I don't think it'll sustain tonight. I think it'll be the classic where you see it high and then it starts to dip as the game goes on. But I mean, look at what Jack did in his first outing with Baltimore and he had nothing to prove there. It wasn't like the Cardinals gave up on him. They, they It was just that it worked out. His velo was up at his first start. I expect Libertor to have kind of that FU attitude to Tampa Bay and have a little bit of uptick in his velo in the first inning tonight. If he doesn't, I'd be concerned. Like, I'm expecting a good performance out of Libertor for that reason. I, That's the gamer mentality I, I you want. I, I wouldn't be concerned because I could understand where it's just emotional roller coaster or, and it just, just doesn't the other go right. lineup is really good and he's no, a lefty that that's still trying to figure yeah. out how to get right-handed yeah but I, I mean i don't know that that gamer mentality where like you want to see the guy come out with kind of the fu mindset as long like, as i don't hear that. him get scratched from the start because his knees hurt tonight hey, i'll be good man all right three one four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort <laughs> service text line a couple of more quick hitter things before we get to john denton the cardinals insider for mlb.com guys if doug armstrong was granted one hall pass where the salary cap didn't count what is the one glaring need for the Blues that he would take care of right now? Salary cap doesn't matter. You can make one significant deal. And let's say that no trade clauses don't exist as well. I would say it's, man, this is a beautiful fantasy world. I'm trading for Connor McDavid. No, I would say if it's a glaring hole. The other team has to accept it. Like it's this. the top left-handed defenseman. Yeah. That, that trading one of your guys to get a top left-handed defenseman, I would say, like trading... Krug or Scandella or Letty for Noah Hannafin, that would be the move I would say he could wish he could pull off. I, I think you're right. I think it'd be getting a left-hand defense, but hell, it might even just be making the Sandheim deal end up working out. That might be his one. Yeah. Hey, I can get the hall pass and get any move to work, but yeah, it would be someone on the left side. That would be where he'd have to look because you get one guy up there that you think plays well with Preco, you've got your shutdown pairing defensively. It's, it's a left-handed defenseman. If I was to put one other thing, I would say number one center. I, yep. I, I think this team could use a number one center and there's still another year. We talked about this earlier in the offseason, Alex. I'm certainly not giving up on Robert Thomas. I think Robert Thomas is a remarkable hockey player. I just wonder long term if he's a guy that going into a playoff series, you want defending the number one line for the opposition. So I want him going up against Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon. I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I kind of want him going up against the second line for the opposition to be able to have more offensive zone chances. So that would be the one other thing that I would potentially consider as well, since you guys took the left-handed defenseman. The part that I would disagree with what Chris Kerber told us yesterday is I think you're going to be surprised by the depth they have at center this year. I think Hayes, Shen, Sunquist. Um, I agree with you, but I think a lot of those guys are twos, threes, and fours, kind of like in a, in a rotation where you go into a playoff series. And you're like, do you have the number one? I think the, the Blues center is the equivalent of having a bunch of number two and three starters. No, people aren't going to like to hear this, but Ryan O'Reilly in his last couple of years played like a number two center. I agree, but I think that was part of their problem. Yeah. yeah. I think part of the issue is you started to see a little bit of the decline, and instead of being an overwhelmingly great defensive player, he, he was merely very good. I think they're going to throw numbers at it. But again, I'm the optimistic one of the group. Coming up next, Good John Denton is the Cardinals insider for MLB.com. I want to get his perspective on this whole Tyler O'Neill saga that's been taking place. And what does he expect tonight from Matthew Libertor and his return down to Tampa Bay? John Denton joins us to discuss it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by John Denton. He's a Cardinals insider for MLB.com. We always appreciate him joining us here on the show. John, let's open up with the start that we saw last night from Dakota Hudson. Uh, another solid one. This wasn't like as overwhelming as the previous start for him, but looked pretty good. Gave you five innings, gave you a chance to win, kept you in it. What are we seeing right now in your mind that is different from Dakota Hudson that we didn't see earlier in the season? Well, he's throwing the slider, which which helps. Uh, last night, it wasn't that great. Uh, the, the time before, it was as, as good as he's ever thrown it. Last night was more side to side, didn't have as much drop to it. So he kind of had to survive with his sinker. He had to survive with his changeup last night. Uh, but, you know, this is three starts in a row now that he's put together. And, uh, you know, if you look at Dakota Hudson's career record, I think it's like 35 and 17 because he's three and oh this year. Uh, you know, I know we've picked at his flaws and at times, you know, last year, you know, he walked way too many guys. He nibbled too much. He worked too slow, but he's a different guy right now. And, you know, he kind of realizes that his career's on the line and he's kind of just throwing it out there and said, Hey, I'm going to attack guys. I'm going to give them my best stuff and whatever happens happens. And, you know, he's a totally different guy than he was last year. And, He's building some cred for next year. You know, I, I see if he keeps this up, I see no reason why he couldn't be that fourth or fifth starter and, you know, a veteran who you know you can absolutely depend on. Some of us in this room, uh, John, me, uh, are on the Dak as an ace bandwagon, so we've never left <laughs> off of that. We never doubted him once. And others thought came coming into the season <laughs> yeah. that this was going to be a rebound yeah. season for him. And, well, <laughs> yeah. we've regretted those comments a bit. Don't ask me what I said two weeks yeah. ago, John. What is now important <laughs> is Dak is back for this Cardinals team. But, but John, that, that fifth spot in the rotation next year, it does seem like it could be some internal competition or at least competition competition for the depth position that they didn't have this year uh, of Dak, uh, Dakota Hudson, Matthew Libertor, and Zach Thompson. Do you think those three names are in the Cardinals minds up for that competition? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, you can throw McGreevy and, and Graceffo and Connor Thomas in there too. And, you know, I think one of those guys will get one of those spots. If you go into an offseason needing one starting pitcher, especially at number one, like that's a daunting task. If you need two, that's really difficult, and then three is almost impossible. So I look for him to fill one of those spots internally. Uh, Dak definitely has the edge up right now. Uh, if you're going by just stuff, Zach Thompson's probably the best one of, of all the bunch. But, you know, is he landing the curveball? Is he throwing the slider the way he did the other day? Uh, eight strikeouts and four innings. Uh, Zach Thompson was a former first-round pick for a reason. He's got incredible stuff. He said the other day, he said, I've watched more Clayton Kershaw video and film and tape than I have of Adam Wainwright. Like he's, he's trying to model his game after Clayton Kershaw. And that was impressive the other day, but I would say Dak has the head up. You know, you, you, you need to fill one of these three spots internally because you're not going to go into free agency signing three starting pitchers. So Dak would probably have the, the heads up uh, for maybe that fifth spot next season. The big storyline and the obvious one, John, going into today's game is Matthew Liberatore making his return to Tampa Bay. And I would imagine you're going to see Randy Rosarena back in the lineup tonight uh, for the Rays. So you'll see those two guys go up against one another. We know what the issues are with Matthew Liberatore. Opposing right-handed hitters are batting 340 against him this year with an OPS nearing 1,000. What are you hoping to see from him tonight, especially as I would imagine the emotion is going to be there uh, to back him up? Uh, BK, we were joking the other night, if if Randy hits a home run or if uh, Liberatore strikes Randy out, Twitter may combust in St. Louis. So yep. it'll, it'll, it'll definitely be something to see. 
you know, I mean, the first thing I look for first and foremost, and the thing the Cardinals look for from Libertor is, is, is velocity. You know, can can he's a guy who's thrown 95, 96 in his past. Why is he at 92, 93 in the second and third innings? Why can't he hold on to his velocity? You know, why, he can survive, uh, you know, with, with his stuff if he's throwing 95, 96, as he's done before. But when he's throwing 91, 92, 93, you know, the Cardinals really wonder what's going on. And they've kind of turned up the pressure on him. They've turned up the screws. They have him doing some, uh, you know, intense uh, weight workouts. They're having him, you know, go through his mechanics and try to make sure everything's synced up. They know the velocity is there. He's got the big curveball. Uh, he's, he's working with the slider a little bit. But he can't survive in this league through a 91-92. It's got to be more like 95-96. And, you know, that, that'll be a sign right away. If You know, the, the first couple of batters, if he's in the 91-92 range, he's probably going to get, going to get hit hard. Uh, but he needs to throw harder, and he needs to do it for longer. Uh, that, that gives him the best chance to, to succeed tonight. John, speaking of Twitter exploding, uh, it's done so over these last couple of nights where Tyler O'Neill was in the lineup, then out of the lineup, and then we've kind of heard uh, his thoughts on him not feeling the greatest. Where do you think the frustration level stands with the Cardinals on Tyler O'Neill? Yeah, you know, uh, this, this is real. Um, you know, they, you talk to anybody in the organization, and the first thing they say is health with Tyler O'Neill. There's no question about his talent. It's just you know, you, as the saying in the NFL, you can't make the club from the tub. You know, you ability, you got to be out there every night. And, you know, I, I talked to Tyler O'Neill the other night, and he was really upset. And uh, this is something that came out of the blue Sunday night as they were flying to Florida. Uh, Monday had hurt him a little bit. He thought, okay, I'll get out and run around on Tuesday. He ran down a ball that you wouldn't believe in batting practice and, you know, hit a couple balls in, you know, deep into the seats. And you think, okay, Tyler's locked in and ready. And then he gets scratched. And we were told that, oh, he'll be back tomorrow night, and then he got scratched again. So, uh, you know, if, if he doesn't play tonight, I, I think there will be red flags. Uh, you know, Tyler has said, he said the other night to me, he said, I have to understand that different surfaces affect my body differently. And, you know, uh, this was a place, Tampa, last year where Nolan Arenado had trouble with his back playing on this turf. And I, I think they are kind of worried about sending him out there on the turf. But, you know, if he doesn't play tonight, I, I think, you know, there, this is, something to really be concerned about and you have to seriously consider putting him on the injured list again which is disappointing because he's played really well these last 15 games john wasn't he taking bp and he was going out there and shagging fly balls and everything like i just listen man i'm not a pro athlete and i get it. it they know their bodies better than anybody else but it's nine innings. Like we're, we're not talking about yeah. going out there and for the entire 162 game season, you're now a Tampa Bay Ray and you've got to be on their turf for 81 of those games. They're not playing him three straight days anymore. They're only playing him five out of seven at most during a, a week. Like you, you can't do two games on the Tampa Bay Rays turf. That's too much to ask for Tyler O'Neill. Now it's, it, it does seem kind of strange to me. I love angry BK. I, yeah. I can hear it in his voice. He's, I love it. He's very frustrated, John. He's I, he's cried twice today. Well, I, th- I think it's some of this is me lashing out because I allowed myself to get back in on Tyler O'Neill two weeks ago. And then he has the thing where he's like, you know what? I can't play. My knees hurt. And I, I just I'm trying to imagine uh, you mentioned him, Nolan Arenado, being on one side of the clubhouse when his back is on fire for the 50th time so far this season. And he's going out there and playing 155 games. And on the other side of the clubhouse, you've got Tyler O'Neill who's saying, hey, I got to worry about the playing surface. And I just I I can't imagine that makes Nolan Arenado thrilled right now. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely everybody in that organization would love to see him play through things a little more. Uh, you know, there are some athletes who, who don't want to play unless they're 100%. There are some athletes who will push through stuff. And, you know, we all know there, there's a difference between hurting and being injured, uh, you know, and, and there are guys who play through hurt and pains all the time. Uh, if you're injured, you can't play. Uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating. I get it. I, I, I feel the same thing. Talking to Tyler the other night, he felt the same thing. He's like, I finally get on a roll, and now this came up. Uh, he's just trying to be smart. Uh, you know, one factor in this, you also have to understand, Nolan Arenado's made $150 million in this game, $200 million in this game. Tyler hadn't gotten that big contract yet. You know, free agency's not too far off. Scott Boris is his agent. You know, I'm sure there are people in his ear telling him, hey, if you don't feel 100%, don't go out there and risk it and, you know, make yourself look bad or hurt your hurt yourself down the line. Uh, some of that plays into this. That's, that's real-life stuff that I know fans don't want to hear. But it's 100% real. Uh, but I, I, like I said, I think Tyler O'Neill will play tonight. But if he doesn't, sound the alarms. John, I know a lot can change between now and 2024. But how do you view the construction of the outfield for next year? Yeah, it's uh, that, that's going to be interesting. I mean, all the way back in February, January, my number one issue was how is the outfield going to play out? And here we are, what, in August, and we still don't really have a resolution uh, you know, I, I think they're going to have to move one or two of these guys. I think, you know, I, I doubt Tyler will be on this roster next year. Uh, he's their most attractive trade piece. Uh, Dylan Carlson will get some interest around the league. Uh, Dylan needs to hit the ball left-handed better. Um, you know, I, I, I think they kind of know what their outfield is going to be. I think it's, you know, it's going to be Jordan Walker. It's going to be Lars Newbar. And then, you know, that third third one maybe is up to choice. Uh, it's going to be Brendan Donovan sometimes. It's going to be Tommy Edmonds sometimes. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they're going to, you know, they know they have to get pitching. You're probably only going to get one of those guys in free agency. You're going to have to, 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 to get one of those guys through a trade. Well, for Tyler O'Neill, if he can stay healthy, if he can finish this season strong, will be one of your most attractive trade assets if you absolutely refuse to trade Nolan Gorman. Uh, you know, every team that calls is going to want Nolan Gorman. Every team that calls is going to want Mason Wynn or Jordan Walker. If you are dead set on not trading those guys, well, Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson are probably your next uh, next best trade options. So there's still a lot to play out. Here we are eight, nine months into this. We still don't have a lot of resolution with the outfield. But the, the Cardinals really could use Tyler O'Neill finishing, you know, getting healthy and finishing this season the right way. Final question that I've got for John Denton. You can read his work over at cardinals.com and follow him on Twitter at John Denton 555. John, you had a piece up today on Lars Newtbar, and that's why I want to ask you about. He leads the Cardinals this year and wins above replacement. The only player on the team with a higher OPS than him is Nolan Arenado. And I was looking this up yesterday since the start of last year. He's got a better OPS plus than Luis Robert, Wander Franco, Kyle Schwarber, Marcus Simeon, Ozzy Albies, all of whom everybody would consider to be legitimate superstars around the league. What are we watching right now with the development of Lars Nupar in this Cardinals outfield? You know, BK, all that you just said, and that was after a first half that he was angry at himself. He was seething about. He knew he had more potential than he was playing. Uh, he blamed himself partly for the reason for the Cardinals' struggles. Look at him since the All-Star break, 326, uh, 616 uh, slugging, uh, 427 on-base percentage. He's hit seven home runs since the break. Like, you see this kid blossoming. He did the same thing last year. Uh, and Cardinal fans need to know, 
there are players that it absolutely burns up every night if they don't win. Like, they're really upset. Like, Lars Newbar cares. He cares deeply. He cares about his own game. He cares about the team. Uh, he worked his butt off over the All-Star break last year. He did the same thing this year. As soon as Nolan Arenado got finished with the All-Star game, he called him and said, when can we hit? When can we hit? He went to his facility in South in, in Southern California. They hit a couple times a day. He's really turned his season around. I mean, this second half is showing the potential and why this organization loves him so much. All that said, his teammates love him even more because of that smile and that infectious energy and the way he approaches defense and the way he'll take a walk and get on base to help the team. So, you know, Cardinal fans are starting to see the, the, the potential that, that this organization believes is there with, with Lars Newbar. You guys asked yesterday about the gamer thing uh, with Newt. I feel like that's something with Newtbar and Donovan. I've mentioned on the air, John, recently that those are the two guys that I just I would not want to trade if you can at all avoid it this offseason. And it's in part because of that, because of what you're talking about. It burns deep inside of them, uh, the winning side of things. They're both winning baseball players. And that's if I'm the Cardinals, that's what I want to build around. So it'll be interesting to see what the rest of the season looks like for him, to say the least. John, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. I know it's busy down there uh, while you're covering the Cardinals in Tampa Bay. Try to keep yourself cool while you're down there. We'll talk with you again (laughs) soon, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care. You got it. That's John Denton joining us here on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate his time. Lars Newbar, man, you look at what he's done over the last 30 days. He's slashing 326 as his average, getting on base 43% of the time, and slugging 615. I don't I don't know what more Lars Nupar could do in order to become the player that people wanted him to be. Like, when we think about the player that I can't name on the air, but he plays center field for the Cardinals You've sometimes. He's done it twice oh, yeah. today, so. Oh, wait. No, we Carl. know he doesn't play center field. This is what we wanted that player to be. What Lars Nupar has become is what yeah, Carl was Yeah, but he wasn't a to top be. prospect. I- I'm with you, and I think that's it. Like, if you just swapped the names of Carlson and Nupar, I think all of us would be saying Lars Nupar is a franchise centerpiece right now with what he has accomplished as a player in their system. The guy is 25 years old, going to be 26 by the end of this season, and is having a season in which he is an OPS over 800 and is playing plus defense in the outfield. Oh, by the way, he's a really good base runner, and everybody inside of that clubhouse loves him. That is the dude that you're building around right now in your outfield to go along with Jordan Walker. Now, the third piece, got to find it. Might be Brendan Donovan. Might be Alec Burleson. But those two guys so far, they have established themselves as the future of your outfield. What's wild about that is, and I don't know how he was viewed in the clubhouse among his teammates, but everything else you talked about with Lars Nupar, people fell in love with Tommy Pham for everything you just said. That he was a guy who got on base. He was a guy that could slug the hell out of the ball. He played great defense. He ran the bases well. He was a gamer. People loved Tommy Pham in St. Louis. They were upset when you when the Cardinals moved on from him. Again, I don't know how he was viewed in the clubhouse, but I think that's the that's the biggest difference between Newbar and and what you had with Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham rubs some yet. people the wrong way. Well. And, and Lars Newbar does it. Every single person inside of that clubhouse loves I, Lars Newbar. I, I do think that him. not having that prospect thing tied to it, people are just expecting the other shoe to drop. They're and, expecting and totally him to fall it. off the cliff. And, and I'll say this, too, because I was one of those that was very skeptical of Newbar going into the year. And I am feeling better about Newt as each day goes along. And for me, the reason that I don't put him as like one of those franchise pillars right now. And again, like it, when I say I would trade Newport, I'm not saying I'm giving him away for sure. a Clark Schmidt. I'm giving him away for a guy that I think projects to be like a number two in a rotation, even if he's not there next year. 
I, I think the thing for Newpar is when you look at his stats, it always feels like the whatever his slash line ends up being gets carried by a massive surge in a second half. But don't get me wrong, his first half was good, but he wasn't showing the power that we're seeing now. For sure. I think he was I think I was just looking at this. I think he was five percent above league average in the first half of the season. And look, that that's a good player. That's a that's a good player. But that's not what we've seen in the second half, where you're seeing that on-base carry, the average carry, and now he's adding that other element into his game with the slugging. And if you look back to 2021, what happened? Really bad first half, gets really hot in the second half. So if he pieces it all together, and he has, I'm not saying he's going to hit 300 and have a 400, 600 slug, but if he can piece it all together and you see that consistency for a full 162 season, then I think everybody's going to start having the same conversation that BK's been having of, what am I missing? I love this guy. This guy's incredible. And I think he's got to avoid that to first fair, half I, slow start. I think a lot of guys have that. It's just a matter of like for Newt Bar, it happened at the beginning of the season. We always go through this with Nolan Arenado where he has a month where it's just like it doesn't look right. And then he gets himself back on track. Well, look at Goldie. Goldie, same thing. Like a lot of the players around the around baseball, even superstars will have a slump. It's about shortening those spans of that slump. And that's something that Lars Newt Bar has to get figured out. I do think he should probably look into what, what's gone wrong for him at the beginning of seasons because he's been able to get himself back on track at the All-Star break each of the last two years, and he found the slugging percentage the rest of the way. How do you capture that at the beginning of the season is going to be the difficult thing for Lars Newpart to do, but if he just continues putting up the exact same numbers that he's doing this year and you find it by the end of the season, regardless of how it comes for you, feel pretty good about having Lars Newpart in your lineup every day. Hey, coming up next, some of you guys have asked us to do some more fantasy uh, stuff on the show. We're going to give you some fantasy football quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. quick hitters a little differently today alex people are getting ready for their fantasy football drafts yeah, they and we are. need to help them prepare t-bone the champion is here to give you drafting advice shut up so my biggest thing about <laughs> fantasy football that i would recommend oh. <laughs> take guys that you want to watch deputy doofus if you don't want to watch deshaun oh, so watson and root for him don't take him so don't draft the washington okay. commanders player yeah, i wouldn't take them don't like, draft any rams players they're gonna be brutal <laughs> even to watch. cup now, when you're watching football on Sundays, take guys that you would enjoy watching. That would be my biggest recommendation. Now that we'll get into the nitty gritty, though, let's go ahead and talk about some of these guys. I don't have Alex, any bias. I want to win. If you were in the second round and you were saying, you know what? I need to get a wide receiver here. There's a bunch of them that are going in that range. Diggs, Lamb, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Jalen Waddle. If you could take one of those five wide receivers in the second round, who are you targeting on your fantasy team this so year? Say those again. Diggs, Adams, Lamb, A.J. Brown, and Jalen Waddle. I would take Lamb or A.J. Brown before any of the others. I, I had Diggs last year, and although a great player, boy, can he be inconsistent. Yeah. Like, he's touchdown or bust because, yeah, Josh Allen throws to him, but typically it's like for 10 yards and you're not getting many points out of it. C.D. Lamb, although he's also in that category, man, it's very obvious that he is a point producer. I think I would go A.J. Brown first, 
and then C.D. Lamb in that list. That's where I would go to. I'd go Brown one, and I'd go Lamb two. I, I think that Eagles offense is so dynamic that Brown, and, and he can have those big plays Absolutely. as well that lead to those massive point games. C.D. Lamb can too, but I, for whatever reason, I just love A.J. Brown. That guy dominates every Sunday that he's on the field. I, I'm kind of with you with Stephon Diggs. He, he can be great, but it does feel like more recently there's been some inconsistency to his game. He really hurt me last year because I took him in the first round because I had a keeper with Jamar Chase in my league, and it's like, man, Stephon Diggs just went silent on me. So my pick is actually Stephon Diggs. Oh, good. Well, And the reason me, why right? is because I think part of what led to those issues, Alex, was Josh Allen's elbow. Josh Allen wasn't healthy last year. If he comes back this season and is legitimately the guy that we saw at the beginning of last season – Go look back at what Stefan Diggs the first like six weeks, what he did for you. Your fantasy team was looking good, right? You're feeling great about it. And then suddenly, boom, Josh Allen's elbow breaks and he's no longer the player that we thought he was going to be. I think he's going to be really good this year. They added nobody to the wide receiver core. It's the same guys around him. So who are you throwing to if you're Josh Allen? Man, I'm throwing to Stephon Diggs. I just don't want to fall for down that again. Down after down after down. So I, I'm going Stephon uh, Diggs as my number one wide receiver in this range. I, I guess in the second round, that's a steal. If you think Stephon Diggs is typically a first round guy. So, I, I mean, that could be a win for you. Yeah, I I, I understand what you're saying. I, I just have some concern I even with the, with the elbow injury. And, still. and I know I pe- think all of these guys have a little bit of concern. CeeDee Lamb, more target uh, issues this year. They, yeah. they brought in Brandon Cooks. That guy's going to get some real targets this year. And CeeDee uh, Lamb dropped a lot of passes last year, too. Devontae Adams, they brought in some other wide receivers. And you've got a new quarterback there. Is Jimmy G going to be as aggressive down the field as what you saw last year with Derek Carr? I'm not so sure. A.J. Brown, sir, there's some real target competition there. And at times, they get very run heavy. So there will be games where he just doesn't get the volume that some of these other guys get. Jalen Waddle, man, do you trust Tua to stay healthy. That, that's really yeah. what it comes down to. Because when Tua is healthy, Jalen Waddle is amazing. Yeah. Who's their backup? It doesn't matter. I think it's the Mike White, the guy that played for the Jets last oh, year. Magic Mike. They brought in. No, so, he slings it. Yeah, I was going to say, Don't Mike's not afraid scared. to throw All of these guys have question marks. They also have the potential to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Yeah. Every single one of them, honestly. Tell so, why I hate fantasy football. Late round quarterback. Which of these players would you be targeting if you could only get one of them, Alex? Matt Stafford. Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, or Anthony Richardson. Those guys are all going pretty late in your draft, 10th round or later. I would go Russell Wilson or Anthony Richardson. Russell Wilson, I'm going for hope of upside with Sean Payton in a better team. And I, I told you in the office, I, I'm seriously contemplating in my other league, my keeper league, of drafting Richardson late, like one of the last rounds if nobody takes him, because he could be one of those sleepers that moves up. I think the sexy one's going to be Bryce Young for a lot of people to take the number one pick and hope he turns into a keeper. But I like the idea of Anthony Richardson, so those would be one of my two. I'm staying the hell away from Matt Stafford. Yeah, he's going to get killed yeah. this year. And that offensive the other line one? stinks. Term car. Car. Yeah, okay. Car car's good, but car's kind of the in-between. Car's kind of I missed out on every quarterback I wanted, so I'll just take him. Yeah, I, I think the one if I'm going late, and I'm not even like a big fan, and I don't think he's gonna work out in Indy, I would still take Richardson though, because you can see where the upside is. Quarterback that can run if the arm plays, you can see where he puts up points. I think Carr would probably be number two on that list for me, but I, I I just don't trust the Saints. That's my thing, is like I could see where it goes well for Derek Carr, but I could also see where it's a disastrous season. I'm not going to bank on Russell Wilson, and I can't remember who the other name was on that list that you just said. Carr but, and Stafford. Oh, yeah. Sta- I, I'm a Rams fan. I can tell you Stafford's going to get destroyed this the year. Holloway. He might be truly broken by the end of the year. So I, I would probably go Richardson. So last year, you guys know where Gino, or excuse me, where Justin Fields ranked in terms of fantasy points per game for quarterbacks? 
He's near the top. Justin Justin Fields. Top five had to have been. Justin Fields on average was sixth overall, but that includes Davis Webb, who played one game. He was fifth overall. It was Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields. He was fifth. Anthony Richardson could do that this year. Justin Fields was not a good passer of the football last year. So even if you think Anthony Richardson is going to be a terrible passer, his ability to run the football and being literally the most athletic quarterback that we have ever seen in the history of the NFL Combine, I want that guy on my team. I, I think Every you're... league that I'm drafting in this year, if I have the chance to get an Anthony Richardson, and you probably do because he's going so late, I want him because either he's going to be a guy that is a top 10 quarterback this year for you, or you cut him after two weeks. What What's the what's the reach point for Anthony Richardson? Like, where is too, too high? Because so I'm thinking like below eight. Yeah, on average right now, if you're looking for where he's going in drafts, he's going in like the 12th to 13th round. So this is where you could get like your options at the positions are Zamir White, Chuba Hubbard, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, uh, John Mechie. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and yeah, take, take my Richardson. shot on Anthony Richardson over those guys. And I've gotten better weapons prior to that if I'm saving that for my quarterback. Yeah, once you get beyond like... Kenneth Gainwell, I think, is a really good late-round flyer at running back. He's going in the 11th round right now. Uh, if you're looking for a wide receiver late, like 10th round, Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's got a chance to be a pretty good wide receiver this year for Seattle. Once you get beyond that, yeah, I'll take my second quarterback. Yeah, And most of those other guys that you said around that Richardson range, those are guys you're potentially even replacing on your team later in the year by going after somebody on waivers. Yeah. So I, I would rather have Anthony Richardson would be the route that I would go. But all those quarterbacks that we just mentioned are going in that same range. So I, I like the upside. I, I would bet on upside with Anthony Richardson over the solid, stable Stafford, Carr, Russell Wilson. Th those guys are never going to give you like legitimate quarterback one weeks where they win the week for you. Richardson could rush for three touchdowns in a week, throw for 150 yards that week, and he ends up being the number one overall fantasy quarterback. That's what you could I'll potentially that. do with him. All right, mid-round running backs, guys. If you could get one of these players, who are you taking? Alexander Madison, the new starter in Minnesota. James Cook, the new starter in Buffalo. Jameer Giggs, Gibbs, the rookie first-round running back for the Detroit Lions this year. Or Javante Williams coming back from an injury for the Denver Broncos. Madison, Cook, Gibbs, or Williams, who do you want, Alex? I'm going Gibbs. Everything I've read so far about Gibbs with Detroit, like you don't move on from their running backs if you don't have those high hopes for Jameer Gibbs and draft him where you do. I think with how potent that offense is going to be, and if Jameer Gibbs is as good as they're making him out to be, he could be one of the top running backs this upcoming season. So if I have him in that mid-round area, I'm going to take a chance on him and not take a chance on the running backs so high in the draft. See, I think I might go Cook and Buffalo. I, I, I think that they've kind of started this, and I think that they've hinted at wanting to get away from running Allen more in the regular season so they can save him for the postseason and keep him healthy. So I, I think that I would lean on Cook there. I, I think he can have a big year with Buffalo, helps out the passing game, and you don't worry about what they do in the postseason. Postseason, they'll utilize Allen's legs more. I think they're trying to keep Allen more healthy, avoid any issues that may come with running the football as a quarterback. So I would bank on Cook. Here's what Alexander Madison did in 2021 when he started for the Minnesota Vikings. Very limited sample size, but when he started for them. 26 carries for 112 yards, 25 carries for 115 yards, 22 carries for 90 yards, 13 carries for 41 yards, a touchdown, and he also had three receptions in that game. Give me Alexander Madison. That dude's getting crazy volume in the Minnesota Vikings offense. They're going to have a really bad defense again this season. Really bad. So they're going to have to score a boatload of points. 
I've got Justin Jefferson, who's going to put up big time numbers at wide receiver. You know what that means? We're getting into the red zone, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I like for my running back? Bunch of touchdowns. Alexander Madison is going to score a bunch of touchdowns this year. I don't have to worry about his quarterback stealing those touchdowns at the goal line because Kirk Cousins ain't running for it, to say the least. So I love Alexander Madison this year in fantasy. I think he's got high upside and you're drafting him at his floor. Worst case scenario, you've got a really solid like second running back or third running back on your roster. So I think the only thing that happens here is he ends up finishing with a better ranking than where you're drafting him right now. Love Alexander Madison. Want to get him on as many of my fantasy teams as I can. For Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. Coming up next, can the Cardinals improve their defense if Jordan Walker and Wilson Contreras are slotted into their everyday lineup again next year? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I do like your guys. Something's got to give. But for me, I'm making it a priority. You ha- we have to be a really good team defensively because let me tell you, that part of the game is the only thing that shows up every single night. Base running and defensive play are the only things that show up every single night. So I'm telling my players, the best defenders that, aren't, that are offensively capable of performing at the big league level, they're going to play. And if you want to fall into that category, you got to get better. That was Dan O'Dowd, former Major League Baseball general manager, on with us yesterday. If you missed our full conversation with O'Dowd, you can check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, and the free 101 ESPN app is where you can go to find it. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Alex, I think he makes an interesting point there when he discusses what the best potential defense is for the Cardinals. In a best-case scenario this offseason, that would be my priority A of how you can immediately fix this team. If you look at uh, the fast lane talked about this the other day, what's the difference between the Cubs and the Cardinals? How did the Cubs get to where they are? And how did the Cardinals get to where they are? More talent It's defense. man. Oh. It, it is purely defense. The Cubs have been a very good defensive team this year. The Cardinals have been one of the worst defensive teams in major league baseball this year. And if you look at the gap in their uh, overall run score or run expectancy, it, it essentially comes down to that. The Cardinals just haven't been good enough defensively. I don't think there's a way for them to get good, though. I think because you have Wilson Contreras as your everyday catcher or something close to it, and because you have Jordan Walker as your everyday right fielder, there is no way for you to go into the offseason and fix the defense. Unless, of course, you're willing to trade Wilson Contreras and put Jordan Walker at DH every day. I don't think either of those two things is likely. So let's operate under the realm of the realistic for this offseason. Those guys are going to be in your lineup every day which means you need to do the pivot. If you're not going to take your two worst defenders out of the lineup, then what you have to do is find a way to make it work with the minute. And Alex, that means switching up the philosophy. You got to get more swing and miss. And if that comes with a little bit more in terms of the walk rate, so be it. But you have to limit the exposure that you are giving to, especially your right fielder. But you're not great defensively at second base either. You're average there now. And in left field, the chances are you're probably going to be below average too. So I would be looking for guys that miss bats and guys that 
don't put my uh, defense, they don't stress it out the way that they have in the past. I think that's the best way that you can go about, quote-unquote, improving this defense is not having to play as much of it. Yeah, because the two areas that you're and I know that the stats say different. We talked about this yesterday with shortstop and uh, what was the other one? It was third base. That's going to improve, in my opinion, with sure. Mason winning or Arnado next year. But the areas that you are wanting to quote unquote improve are right field and catcher. And I hate to say it, buddy, but it's going to be the same next year. You're hopefully improved. Why are you looking at me? Because you don't like either of these people I'm about to talk oh. in their position. Jordan Walker in right field. Hopefully that improves. And then Wilson Contreras. Hopefully that improves, but it, they might be exactly what they are right now. But you're anticipating left field and center field to be a lot more stable next year, depending on who those people are, whether it's Donovan, Burleson, free agent, or Newtbar. You're expecting shortstop to improve. Second base is going to have a utility of Gorman, Edmund, Donovan. And then you got your other position. So you're not really improving in the areas that you're already bad in. So, yeah, go get swing and miss. And you hope that that improves better than what it was this year. It's not as bad. But if you get swing and miss stuff and that also gets better, you're talking about a significantly changed team. There are certain things in sports that are a weakest link type of a conversation. Tanner, you learned this with your Rams. Your beloved Rams have a weak link in their offensive line. And guess what happens? Opposing defensive coordinators will expose that. They will put their best defensive linemen up against your worst offensive lineman and just expose it all day long. You see this as well when the Rams go up against Kyle Shanahan. What's he do? I'm going to find one guy, and I'm going to target him all day long. A lot of the times it's a linebacker that's really bad in coverage, and he says, I've got Christian McCaffrey. I'm just going to expose your linebacker in space from start to finish today. It's going to be the longest day of his life. I remember watching Peyton Manning do this to the worst corner that was on the field. He would find whoever it is that was his mark for the day, and he'd just expose him from the first snap until the final whistle. That's kind of how it works in football. The same thing sometimes true in baseball. Now, not to the same degree, but if you're going to be a good defensive club, a lot of the times it's because everybody on the field for you is an above-average defender. They don't have to be great, but they're all above-average. That's what the Cardinals were a couple of seasons ago. Everywhere you looked, you're like, yeah, man, that. That guy's really athletic. He's a good defender. Like I could see how every single one of those positions you would say is above average defensively. They don't have that anymore. They're not that team anymore. While Nolan Gorman has made some significant strides at second, he's an average defender there. Jordan Walker is a well below average defender in right. And for the most part, whoever it is that you go with in left field next year, probably going to be a below average defender there as well. And of course, the behind the plate conversation that we don't want to have right now. So, you no longer have that weak link mentality. You have too many of those weak links. So instead, you try to find a way to correct that. What can we do to mask this big issue that we have? If you're a football team and you've got a problem at right tackle, and my tight end is going to be chipping a little bit more often before he goes out into a route, right? If defensively, you've got a linebacker that really sucks in coverage, well, maybe you're going to find a way to play a little bit more exotic zone coverages where you can mask that where he's going to be in coverage. For the Cardinals, the way that they do that is getting swing and miss. This offseason, that has to be the priority. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. They're going to have to get swing and miss because they need to go into the offseason planning on none of those defensive liabilities that we talked about improving at all. And I do think Walker will get better. I mean, I think there are signs of Walker. Look at the throw he made on Tuesday night where he cuts the ball off in right field, gets his uh, shoulder squared, and throws a missile to second base to get the guy out trying to extend it to a double. So I I do expect 
Walker to improve in the offseason. I think his defense will be better next year. Now, will it be like average? Probably not. It'll be below average would be my expectation. But going the offseason planning on no improvement in right field. Going the offseason knowing there's going to be a regression in left field because you're probably going to be starting a Burleson or a Donovan every day in, in left. Going to the offseason knowing you maybe we can't fix Wilson Contreras because he hasn't been shown to be fixed behind the plate defensively. Know you have those issues and try and mask them with swing and miss. And then if any of those guys do improve, maybe you're able to improve Contreras' framing slightly. Maybe his Walker's defense does get up to average and it improves more significantly than we thought. Maybe you do end up having Donovan ends up playing really well in left field and he's average out there. Then at least I've already tried to cope for what our floor is and I can cover that. And if we get even more, it just expands us as a team overall when you look at us. So this is where we get to the pitchers that are available this offseason, guys. Earlier today, Jim Bowden, former Major League Baseball general manager, put out his list of the best free agents that are available. You can go ahead and look at number one on the list, enjoy it, appreciate it. Shohei Otani this year became the first player in Major League Baseball history to hit 40 home runs and win 10 games in a single season. And that's why we've got Lars Newpar. And you can go ahead and cross him off the what? list. Get he the says hell out 500 of here. to 600 million dollars is what the expectation is. For Shohei Otani this offseason. In. Man, they ain't going to give that to him. So, we can move our way down for the rest of the list from there. You guys just are mediocre. I put his pitchers into four tiers based on what his rankings are, Alex, and how Jim Bowden views these guys. I think you can cross off tier one. That's just Shohei Otani, and he ain't coming to St. Louis. So, let's look at tier two for a second. Tier two, he has three pitchers in. Blake Snell, Julio Urias, and Aaron Nola. Guys, do you agree that the Cardinals are not signing Julio Urias this offseason? Can we just cross him off the never list? Never say never. I'd say never. Never, but <laughs> yeah. Nolan Snell make a lot more sense for the Cardinals. So you've got two pitchers from Tier 2 of Jim Bowden's list that you could consider. And then there's Tier 3, which I think the Cardinals are going to circle and say, ooh, this is our sweet spot, baby. Michael, time to go scuba diving. That's Yamamoto, the Japanese pitcher that we've been talking about. That's Sonny Gray, Marcus Stroman, Cardinals ain't signing him. Jack Flaherty, Cardinals aren't signing him. Uh, um, Rodriguez, Cardinals aren't signing him. Jordan Montgomery, Cardinals aren't signing him. Okay, well, now you're just being picky. And Lucas Giolito is the other player that he has in that category. I think the Cardinals, going into this offseason, need to put a line underneath that tier that I just mentioned. Yeah, what's tier four? (laughs) Paxton, Maeda, Severino. Ooh. No, no, he's been terrible. <laughs> you have basically this offseason, Snell, Nola, Yamamoto, Gray, Giolito. Those five pitchers that I just mentioned, get two of them. Get two. That is your tier. There's one other Japanese pitcher. You could throw him into the mix. Now there's six players on your list. Get two. Your offseason priority should be signing two of those players that I just mentioned because they fit the criteria that we were just talking about. If you sign two of those guys, you have masked your defense. You have now given them a better opportunity to have success. Jordan Walker, the best way to make him a better defender is to not have him defend. What is the best way, Alex, to get the most out of Tory Krug? Keep him in the offensive zone. Keep him playing offense, baby. Sorry, Tory. Jake Waldman, what's your best opportunity well, to look good? Forward. Jake, you should have been a forward. Absolutely. How, what do we do with Eric Carlson, guys? Say it should with me. Should have been here. a forward. Play, Play offense. offense. That's what you want Jordan Walker to do. Have as little exposure defensively as possible, as many opportunities offensively as possible. That's how we extract the most value out of Jordan Walker. I'll even be more specific to this. 
get somebody in tier two and somebody in tier three, because you know what my problem with the Cardinals is they get two guys in tier three. And I don't think that's doing what you need to accomplish. I think you need to get a legit top player. So Snell or Noah, and then go into tier three, scuba dive all you want, take extra oxygen, oxygen tanks, get somebody else in tier three. But if you don't get somebody from tier two and say, well, we got Sonny Gray and we've got Yamamoto. I still think that's underperforming. And that's where you get to the trade discussion that we had yesterday. If you can't get Snell or Nola, either because they are unwilling to come to St. Louis, which is absolutely possible. Not if you offer them enough money. Because you're unwilling to go to the money lengths, then you have to choose your path and you have to go out there and make the trade that you don't want to make. Yep. And that's where you get the Logan Gilbert. That's where you get somebody that right now we don't even think is available because you made him available by making a godfather offer. I would rather just spend the money. Go get Snell or, or, or Nola. And then go sign Yamamoto, Gray, or Giolito as well. Go spend $60 million on your rotation if that's what it takes to fix this thing. But if you're unwilling to do that, and that may well be the case, then you've got to go make a trade that makes you super uncomfortable. Those are your two choices. you got to get uncomfortable in one way or another. Either you trade players or you spend the money. Those are your two options this offseason if you're John Don't Mosella. whine and don't whine because you didn't do either of those two. It's time to go scuba yep. diving. Coming Put up next, on. time for the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in, carry out, seven days a week. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Alex, what do you have for us today in the junk room, All my right, friend? Fellas, I'm just going to read you this headline and I'm going to set both of you free okay. and go with it. Austrian supermarket spider with bite that can cause permanent erections. Go. Spider Man takes a turn. No, not Spider Man. <laughs> <Spider-Man. laughs> Technically, this would be called Erection Man. No, I'm saying, like, yeah, th- this is how Spider Man began. This is just. This is the spinoff. Yeah, but could you imagine a man in a full body oh, suit having Spider-Man. death? Oh, that's X-rated Spider-Man. Yes. I, Actually, I think I've seen that movie before. Yeah? Yeah. Well, have you? Late night television. <laughs> talk about it? Yeah, late night television. So basically what this is was they had to shut down the supermarket because they found a highly venomous spider that, if bit you, gave you a permanent erection. I mean, this is just like... When they first started making ED medication, I would imagine it probably resulted in a lot of this. Just like permanent. Getting bit by a spider? No. <laughs> oh, no. Man, how ironic is this? Apparently it, it hid in bunches of bananas. Really? That's where it hit. Only thing more ironic would be hiding in like, I don't know, erection pills or condoms. I feel like the banana is perfect. <laughs> pretty pretty ironic. <laughs> like, can't do any better imagine, than that. Really. Imagine though, if like you're at the grocery store, like the yeah. first person to discover this got bit. And they got home and was like, what the hell's going on? Hey, no way. <laughs> stop, stop it, stop it, stop it. The thing is, man, like, well, I don't think the first thing that would come to your mind if you had a permanent erection was, ah, it was the spider. Well, no. So I wonder how many times this happened I mean, before the, they got came to the conclusion. Like, they got to rule out a bunch of other like stuff. They, like, they kept going back to the grocery store and kept getting bit every Tuesday when you'd come home from grocery shopping. It's like, why do I keep getting these? Well, it's permanent. If it's permanent, oh, man, you, man. you ain't getting it how, again. How it long, happened and it sticks. How, very true. Very true. How long before you go to the doctor's office? 
With a permanent erection? Well, they yeah. say if it lasts yeah, more than like four what, hours? three hours, four hours. Yeah, but I think so I would I'm say like day two. I think I would day two. Yeah. Three to four hours and you're going day two. Well, like it, I would assume this happened <laughs> in the evening and like that second day. <laughs> you're going to sleep with that. There's I mean, no way I'm going to sleep with that. Yeah. You've never gone. I mean, to sleep if you got, I would assume. <laughs> no, I go? have, but I know it goes away. When do you go? You don't necessarily know you're sleeping. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> No, before I go to sleep, you know, you, with, while you're sleeping, you eat like dozens of spiders over the course of your life. Not hey, my house. No. Yeah, in not your my house. house. No. no, not my house. You've By seen way, me check are you beds going when I go on vacation. Shopping. Huh? Yeah. When are you going grocery shopping in the evening? Yeah, you go in at like ten o'clock and then you get home and just go to bed. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm assuming like evening. You don't go. You go grocery shopping in the evening all the time. No, I go grocery shopping immediately following the show. So let's say you go shopping at three. So I get done at four o'clock, and if I've got an erection until eight p.m., I'm not going to bed thinking this is just going to disappear. Yeah. After about thirty minutes, if you're not using. Go in and take a cold shower and see if it disappears. And if that doesn't disappear, I'm going to the doctor's office. Yeah, I think you're a little, you have a little too much chill to Follow your Follow up issue. question. Do, when you go to the doctor's office. By the way, apparently it's an urban myth. I didn't know this. I thought that there was scientific proof that you uh, eat. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, that's. Spiders dude, sleep. there's no, I'm not eating spiders. First of all, I don't sleep with my mouth open. My wife does. <laughs> my wife absolutely sleeps with really? her mouth open. Yep. Have you ever like... She's a mouth breather. Have you I, ever done like water in a straw when she's sleeping and just drip it? I've really mouth. thought about it. <laughs> absolutely. I did it to a buddy of mine's grandpa. I'm going to take one of those bananas from this grocery store. And just... When I was in... Whoa. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, we went and saw a movie. My buddy and his grandpa and his grandpa fell asleep and fell asleep with his head back and his mouth open. And we did the water in his mouth. <laughs> and in the middle of a movie, he wakes up and... Ah, ah, <laughs> we thought we killed him. <laughs> uh, My wife, one of the reasons times. why she loved the masks on the plane was because she, when she falls asleep, she's like, <laughs> while she's on the plane. And so while she's while she's sleeping How now, does she sleep? <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, 101. Instead of that, <laughs> she, she now has the masks over so nobody can see. Can she's, they hear her though? <laughs> well, it's not actually making the noise. You know, she just... She just <laughs> felt like it was better for radio for people to understand what was going on. All right, he's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Speaking of people that have their tongues out while they sleep, I bet you Lars Newtbar does just as he does while he's playing baseball. Nice. No, no way. Not giving it to you. Have we all come around on Lars Newtbar as a superstar potential player? Uh, we'll talk about it next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dude, he's not going to offer it then. High fly ball, Tomahawk toward right at the track, and Wall is gone. Newt Barr with a leadoff homer extends the lead. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. That's what it sounded like last night on Valley Sports Midwest as Lars Newt Barr does it again. Guys, Lars Newt Barr is putting together another incredible second half to his season. He did this again. He also did this last year where he went to the all-star break, put in a bunch of work, went back into the lab with Nolan Arenado, and he came back and he looked like a completely different guy. Alex, you look at what he's been now. If you're just looking overall since the start of last season, and I know some people don't, don't love these kinds of numbers, but OPS plus, I think is an easy way to represent overall 
offensive production, right? 100 is exactly league average. Anything above that number is that percentage above league average. Anything below that number is that percentage below league average. It adjusts for the ballpark that you play in. So like Lars Newbar plays in a more difficult ballpark than somebody that's in Coors Field, for example. So it adjusts for that and it adjusts for the era in which you play in. So Lars Newbar, since the start of last season, is 27% above league average offensively. Can I give you a few of the names that he's been better than oh, in this please. stretch? Give it to me. Again, this is not like fun with here. end points. This is since the start of last season. Guys that Lars Newbar has been better than. And by the way, Brendan Donovan also fits into this category because he is the exact same OPS plus since the start of last year as Lars Newbar. Luis Robert, Wander Franco, Kyle Schwarber, JT Real Muto, Marcus Simeon, Ozzy Albies. Those are six guys that I think everybody considers to be superstar players in Major League Baseball right now. Lars Newbar and Brendan Donovan have both been more productive offensively than any of the players' names that I just mentioned since the start of last season. Alex, when you hear that and you think about what Lars Newbar has become as a player, how do you view what he is right now for the Cardinals? Uh, optimistically, I view it. I, I view it as somebody who's having himself back-to-back really good years and he's 25 years old with defense to go with it and you say well this is exactly what this team needs specifically in one of their bigger holes the outfield the only problem with it is what we talked about earlier like you don't have that top prospect name attached to you you don't have one of the top international prospects like Luis Robert was attached to you so when that's not attached to the name you look at it and you say, oh, well, he's not going to be this for the rest of his career. He's gonna, you're getting lucky. And I think Cardinals fans, this doesn't isn't supposed to come out cruel sounding, but they're a little jaded sure. in, in how they see this because Jeremy Hazelbaker was this, and it disappeared really quick. Luke Voigt was this, and it disappeared real quick. Every time you see a hot stretch by a certain Ledmus Diaz was another That's one. one that I was going to bring up. every time you see a hot Steven stretch Scotty we saw Randall Gritchick Randall Gritchick I mean we've seen frankly, a lot of Tyler O'Neill right now Harrison Bader like every time you've Dylan seen Carlson had one good season every time you see that specifically for Cardinals fans when it's an area of need you say well that's not going to work because it never works for us they, they always feel like the kid that things bad happen to him bad all the time and it's like well that's not going to happen for me I'm not I'm not a good person blah 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 that's what it feels like, man. That felt too close to home when I said that. Sorry, guys. Damn, man. That's what it feels like with Lars Dupar. So as much as I say, like, optimistically, yeah, why wouldn't you want a Luis Robert or a Wander Franco on your team? It's because in the back of my mind, I'm like Tanner thinking, it's not going to last. And if it does, man, you just, I mean, you got lucky like everybody else does when they find these types of players, like the Atlanta Braves, like the Dodgers, when you say, how do they keep churning these guys out? This is how. Yeah, and, and I, I think the biggest thing for him right now is he just needs to have a good start to a season because yep. he's been consistent the last two years in the second half, and he was good in the first half. I'm not trying to say he wasn't awful like he was last year where he was just so bad they had to send him down to Memphis, but he's going to have to have a consistent first half that carries into the second half because right now, it always, at least to me, it feels like his numbers really get I don't want to say bloated, but when you look at the end of his slash line, it really gets carried by an extremely hot stretch, and the rest is either just fine or it is cold. And I think that's where he's going to separate himself from getting away from what you just said, being the next Aledzmi's Diaz, because the way he's playing right now, you can see why the Cardinals would view him as a franchise pillar. You can see where he kind of is what they thought, kind of in between what Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill would be, where he's hitting for power, he's getting on base at a great clip, and he's hitting for average, and maybe their favorite part of it all, he's a left-handed bat, and he's in the outfield, and he's a really good 
corner outfielder. He's average in center, but he's a good corner outfielder. So I think the biggest thing for him to get to that status that BK's been clamoring of franchise pillar, guy that can be kind of viewed as a, I don't know if he wants a star or superstar, sure. is he's got to have a consistent first half. And that is the biggest thing for him right now. Right now, and I, I think we had these conversations during the offseason, and that's why I want to bring up his name. Right now, he is for you what Brandon Nimmo has been for the Mets in terms of he is a very good on-base percentage player that plays solid defense for you, can kind of play anywhere in the outfield, good base runner, a lot of athleticism, well-liked in the clubhouse. That's what he is today. And the hope, the ceiling comes from the slugging percentage. And T-Bone, to your point, that was the issue early on in the season. Guys, there has not been a single day this season in which Lars Nupar's on-base percentage dipped below 355. 355 is a really good on-base percentage. For a lot of players, that would be a career mark where they never approach it again. But for Lars Nupar, not a single day in the entirety of the 2023 calendar season in which he dipped below a 355 on-base percentage. That guy can bat first or ninth in every lineup in all of Major League Baseball as an everyday player. The question becomes, like, to be a star... You have to add slugging percentage to that. And if he does that, if if what we're seeing right now is real and he saw the home run last night and he seems to be getting more to his power this year than he did last year at times, man, if he's able to do that consistently, and it does, I'm not saying like from start to finish in a season, but over a stretch of years, Lars Newport can be a star baseball player in Major League Baseball because that this type of offensive production with that type of defensive prowess that gets you $25 million a year on the open market, dude. You can't find players like this. They they don't really exist. He's kind of a unicorn in that regard. Hits pretty good in terms of his batting average. There's underlying numbers to suggest that he improved in that regard this year. It has a crazy high on base percentage. That seems to be his single best skill because of the walks that he's able to take. He commands the strike zone as well as anybody in the sport. And if you're able to then get the power on top of it, Dude, we're talking like a group of 10, 15 players that have those kinds of skills along with plus defense in the outfield. I mean, it's a really short list that we're talking about here. Again, that's where the ceiling comes in. The floor is what we have already seen, and that's Brandon Nimmo, who just got paid $20 million a year last year in free agency. Yeah, his ceiling can be what Christian Yelich was in the back end of the Miami tenure. Not the MVP Christian Yelich, I wouldn't think. But I think he can be what Christian Yelich was. And that's the guy, he, I just looked up his baseball savant page, and that's who he comps to right now is 2023 Christian Yelich in terms of his bat profile. So And Yelich has been awesome this year, by the way. That's a yeah, good comparison. Like he's got a 293, 74, 469 slash line. And I was looking at his Miami days where he was 282, 369, 439 slug, or 483 slug, depending on what year you want to look at. Like, he could be that where it's 20, 25 home runs, hit for doubles, and walk and get on base at a really good clip and be what Christian Yelich was, probably more so in Miami than he has been in Milwaukee. But, I mean, you would take that in a heartbeat in your outfield because no one's gotten close to taking a job and running with it in the outfield up until this point with him and Jordan Walker. My biggest thing with him is I need to see it from start to finish. Sure. And I know it's hard to ask that. I know you'll get a month where it goes silent. You'll have injuries. But I just want to see it from start to finish. Because if you get that next season... Then I'm extending him after the year. Well, that. But I also have... I'm, ser- I'm serious. If he does this for the entirety of next season, you should extend him. Because otherwise, you're going to pay out the wazoo yeah. for, for him as he gets to free agency. I mean, you're he will then be like... 
again, this is all dreaming and it's all talking about if he does this, maybe possibly like there's a lot of wish casting that's taking place right now in the segment. But if he does what we're talking about, he's going to exceed in free agency what we just saw from Brandon Nimmo because he'll do that while also being healthy. Well, and I was just going to say, and this falls right into what you're saying, you're starting to trend towards what the Atlanta Braves have accomplished with the position players in terms of finding guys that just just fill right into their top four, top five guys. But you know what the Atlanta Braves do when they find those guys? They sign them to yeah. an extension. Michael Harris, uh, they did that when they acquired Sean Murphy. Lars Newpar could be that guy for the Cardinals team next year. I mean, you have Austin Riley and Matt Olson right now in, in terms of what you have with your two corner infielders, right? Your version of Ozzy Albies, they're different because Albies is a much better defender than the guy that I'm about to mention. But your version of Ozzy Albies would be um, Nolan Gorman at second base. You don't really have a Ronald Acuna on your team. And you're you not going to get Walker a Ronald close Acuna. to it. He's not the defender. I mean, Acuna's a, a, the best player in baseball, yeah. in my opinion, not named Shohei Otani. So what you're hoping is, can can Lars Newbar be like 70% Ronald Acuna Jr.? And what I mean by that is Acuna does everything really well. He's got a great arm, unbelievable defense in, in, in the outfield for them, hits for average power on base, like does everything really, really well. Can you get a lesser version of that can you get the christian yelich version of ronald acuna jr out of Lars Newbar? and if the answer is yes you add in the fact that you also have jordan walker you also have brendan donovan which there is no equivalence to on the braves right now you could talk about how the cardinals have a lineup that isn't as good nay maybe as the braves but it has some pretty solid comparisons to what the braves are throwing out there on a day-in day-out basis and then you just got to find a way to get the pitching because that's where you're lagging in a significant way relative to what the Braves have right now. But Newbar is part of that answer. Newbar has to be the guy that we're watching right now, and he cannot revert back to the player that he was in the first half of the season. He's got to be a consistent get on base at a 355 plus clip and slug for a decent amount of uh, power as well. If you can do that, man, whew, you can dream on this guy being an, uh, a perennial all-star. That's what you're watching right now. He could be an all-star for you. Lars Newbar can make the All-Star game next year. BK just got bit by the spider in Austria. He's a little excited over there. Yeah. A little. He even had like a little smirk on his face. Look at him. He had a smirk on ah. his face while he was getting ready to say that. I'm not even sure he truly believed what he just said. No, but he, he doesn't. He, he was so excited. He you had know what he's doing right now? Perini, I, I got away from me yeah. there with the perennial. You know what he's doing? Wait, dude, he's, you know how good the outfield depth is in the NL? He's he's poking <laughs> cool. the bear with a stick. He's trying to I see how pissed off he can get Tanner. comparing him to Ronald, Ronald Acuna the moment yeah. that I did it. <laughs> yeah, I was can like, I reel it in a little bit? Yeah. No, man. Yeah. I, I did that with comparison to Christian I, was saying, I thought <laughs> Yelich was like the really good oh, one. Man. When it's out there, you just throw it out there. Hole and oats, baby. I I, I could have heard, heard 70% like Walker of Acuna. That Would guy you consider had the, re-signing him this offseason? Who? What do you mean, Who? We've been talking about one guy the entire time. (laughs) Well, I just said Walker, so I didn't know what you were doing. No, I would not give Newbar an extension this offseason. Alex? I wouldn't give Walker an extension this offseason, though I I predicted that. I don't even know where he's going to play next year. In terms of the position. How much are we talking for an extension? (laughs) I'm not saying they're going to trade Jordan Walker. Oh, great. Clip it. (laughs) How much are we we talking on extension? Well, he's in pre-arb next year for the first year. So, I mean, you're talking, what did Michael Harris Jr. get, or the second get? Uh, seven by one ten, one twelve. Eight year deal worth. This is loading. Come on, guys. Seventy two million dollars. So let's say nine million dollars. Seven years, hundred mil. I mean, if I, I I wouldn't do it, and if I were revising Newport, I wouldn't do it. Seven years, a hundred mil. 
Giving them that much money? I mean, that's not a lot. Compared to what Nimmo just got. Nimmo just got that for like five five years. years. I was was thinking less than 10 mil per year. I'd do it. But if it's more than that, I probably would wait a year. I mean, he's only got one year of pre-arb left. And if he does this again, his first year of arbitration is going to be like five mil. Yeah, then, uh, then he's, he's going to start getting paid here. If you do soon. that again, then I could talk 15 mil somewhere Year around three that. Three of arbitration for Newt Bar. Again, this is wish casting. Could be 20 million dollars as a player. Jeez, I'm not kidding. It'll be probably around 15 to 20. Um, yeah, I thought it'd be like 12 to 15. No, it, no, if he continues being this type of a player because he does everything what, well, quiet in the first half and then good in the second half. No, you know what I mean. He gets That'll on base be their well, argument in their slugging, plays well defensively, <laughs> is athletic. That all shows up in the wins above replacement numbers, and that's part of the like formula that they'll use for the arbitration hearings. He'll he'll get a bleep ton of money. Um, and he's gonna be he's gonna be one of the stalwarts. BK will be right there, clamoring yeah. for the Cardinals to BK pay. BK will be in that arbitration. He's a perennial All Star. BK will be the the, hey, my be the guy in the back. Just give the guy the money. Come on, Mo. He's like a Cunha. <laughs> Have you seen his on base percentage? Dude, it's so hot. Coming up next, three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line. It's T Bone's favorite segment of the week. Believe it or not, here on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Look at what's happened to me. I can't believe it myself. Suddenly I'm up on top of the world. It should have been oh, sing somebody it, boys. Uh, Got the Belvina out. <laughs> believe Four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort <clears throat> Service text line for Believe It or Not. I gotta, I gotta say, Believe It. What happened in the segment? There we go. Believe It or Not. <laughs> Hold on, because bad. Now I, I will say this: it's overheating. The, the funny thing is, is I'll go back and watch this later on YouTube because they can't hear the music for uh, copyright. Sure. And you got Alex over there like pointing to the Damn right. camera. You gotta feel I the music. I respect that you, you sent gotta it. Feel the music. Believe it or not, that was the Don't best rendition the... we've done so far. I think I'm gonna believe it. I think that was the best one. I believe that. I'll believe that. At least too. until I go back and re- until watch the Thursday. Film. Don't watch on YouTube. Yeah. No, <laughs> man, you got to feel the music. Don't let if the music you're on feel YouTube, you. By the way, one thing that I would recommend doing every Thursday before, believe it or not, continue watching the YouTube feed, but put the, the audio on from the app. Yeah, yeah. that'll that'll help. Might be out. a little bit of a delay there, though. So that's all right. It's worth it. Pause it. Make sure that it actually lines up. You'll be now. Good advice: just watch the YouTube twenty four seven because we just leave the cameras up during commercial breaks, and you don't know. I might slap BK. Tebow might throw a pen at him. Somebody's gonna get hurt. Sometimes we put costumes on. We do a little cosplay during well, the breaks. No, you do that, wild. and it makes T Bone and I very uncomfortable. I really hope we don't start doing that. Well, it'll be a it'll be uh you know punishment for this upcoming year. Best way to find us on YouTube at 101 ESPN STL or just Google 101 ESPN YouTube. You'll find us there. All right, guys, let's play a game of believe it or not. Guys, believe it or not. Matthew Libertor goes out and proves all the haters wrong tonight. Gills at least five innings, gives up three earned runs or fewer. Uh, not believe it. Let's I set I, realistic. Goals, I, I, think it'll go, I think it'll go five innings. I think you're going to see more runs. I'm not going to believe it either. I 
the comments from Ollie, and I'm a big Ollie supporter like BK, felt like he's in the best shape of his life comment of, oh, he's in the weight room. Wait, we un- think we're unlocking something. They've unlocked potential. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to believe it. I could see where this is a tough outing for him. Whether it is his stuff just isn't good tonight, or it's one of those where it's, hey, this is an emotional start for Matthew Libertor, sure. and it just doesn't go right. Pretty cool. You're going up against Tampa Bay Rays lineup that does pretty well against the old left-handed starters. Oh, good. I'm not feeling great about that. Um, specifically, I'm not feeling great about the fact that they've got Randy Rosarena in their lineup, and he absolutely mashes against left-handed pitching. So I'm not going to believe this either. Uh, I think that he ends up giving up more than three runs. And tomorrow we're having conversations about, man, that didn't feel good. <sighs> didn't feel great. Tomorrow, BK will come on the air and talk about how he's officially done with Matthew Libertor. No, we'll have to redact that name from I'm him. Not, I'm not doing that with Libertor. I'm, I'm going start by start with him. I, the rest of the way, the number one thing they should do with their rotation, like we can have our qualms about some of the decisions there. The number one thing they absolutely have to do is give Matthew Libertor every fifth day. You have to find out what he can do. But Harold Ramirez, OPS over a thousand against lefties. Diaz, 965. Franco, 900. Walls, 850. Orozarena, 900. Like it's right, yeah, up and down their bad. lineup. What's the it's over brutal. in this game? It's brutal. This Alex, like, what do you got? It's like throwing raw meat to a group of bears right now. Uh, believe it or not, the Cardinals sign a pitcher who has had at least one all-star appearance. In his career? Yep. I just went back and looked at this. Neither Leak nor who was the most recent one that they signed. When was the last time the Cardinals signed a free agent starter that had That's what I'm saying. It wasn't Leak or Matts. And I don't... Blackie, maybe? Uh, That was a trade. That was a trade. You didn't sign him. I mean, it's... It's been a while. So, believe it or not... Williams hadn't made one. Trying to think who else they've signed. I say, who else did they sign? Unless maybe Supon? like Izzy, but well, he was a he was closer. A he wasn't a yeah. starter. <laughs> I just went back and thought leak with Matts, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, neither of them did. So it's been a while. It's been a hot minute. So welcome to, uh, oh, you welcome to welcome to uncharted <laughs> waters, Mo. Uh, I'm gonna believe it. By the way, like the tough part here is, I think there's a real chance they sign one of the pitchers from Japan, and that I would consider that signing an all-star caliber pitcher. It won't count for this criteria, Alex, because obviously they haven't played in the big league, so it's impossible to yeah, make but an MLB All-Star game. As we talked about earlier, you're going to have to do both. You're going to have to get another guy. Has Snell made an, Snell's made an All-Star game, right? Yeah. I you want to Cy Young, so I would assume yeah, so. Yeah, you want to Cy Young. Uh, Nola has Sonny Gray. Has he? Yeah, he has. I, I looked that up. So. Sonny Gray, Lucas Giolito. You know I'm surprised, has Giolito made an All-Star game? Yeah, he made one. Yeah. You know Aaron who I'm surprised Nola. did not? And he's not in this tier. Paxton has not made an all-star game. That's why I don't want him. He was awesome that one year with yeah, Seattle. I'm going to say I believe it. I think they signed one of those guys that's in the top two tiers of free agency this year. I, I've convinced myself that I think they're going to do it. I think they know they have well, to. We're ready to be hurt again, Mo. Been there before. Um, <laughs> like I said that last offseason. I'll believe it because I can see where they sign one guy <clears throat> that's in one of these tiers that we're talking about that has been to an all-star game, and then they underwhelm us with that second signing. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll believe this. I can see where they sign one the classic pop gun off season but yeah. there'll be like smaller pop guns that go off in the background yeah it'll be those toy guns yeah I'm Seymour, what do you got for us uh believe it or not outside of paul goldschmidt we see the cardinals sign someone to a contract extension this spring limiting paul goldschmidt because i figure he's the number sure. one candidate i'm gonna not believe this uh no they did it with michael is now i'm believing this they do it every off season they do it every year in spring training where somebody in jupiter gets the red carpet rolled out Who for are them. the candidates for this I mean, Newt Bar, Walker, 
Um, I'm not Edmund. believing it. I don't think they will. I don't think Edmund would get one. I don't. I, don't think, I feel like Donovan would be one, but because Donnie. of the injury, maybe you you would question that. And honestly, Donovan's the exact kind of player, given his age, that he came up so late. I would just write it out with arbitration. Andrew Kisner. I. I El Capitan. Nolan Gorman might be an interesting one. Actually, yeah. sign him then trade him. No, Nolan <laughs> Gorman would be the type of guy that I would consider giving a long-term extension to. In all seriousness, like. I know that I've been the one that is considered to be low on Gorman, but it's not that I'm low on him. I just know what the value would be for him around the league. If he's here in spring training, I would say that's probably the most likely Cardinal to get an extension this offseason. Someone said Mark Mulder. That might be that the last, last time. time. Sure. Um, I'm not going to believe it, though. I could see where they explore talks with Walker. Um, I... I would not extend Gorman. I think he is one of those guys that could really start to outprice himself in arbitration, but he's also one of those guys to where he never has that hot month and is a guy that hits like below 200, hits still like 20 home runs. And though that is, would still be like, hey, 20 home runs, a guy that hit below 200. You'd sign up for that. That gets a little bit devalued. And that's why I think he's just so like, there are going to be really high highs with Nolan Gorman through his career. And there could be really low of lows with him, like Kyle Schwarber, for example, who I think is hitting below 200. So I wouldn't extend him. I, I'm not going to believe it, but I do think they kick the tires on somebody, just maybe don't get it done. You think they do, Alex, or they don't? I think they do. With who? Outside of Goldschmidt. I think it's either going to be Gorman or Walker or Newpar. I think it's going to be one of those three guys because the Cardinals like to extend. And I originally said they wouldn't. It was because I felt like Mo learned his lesson, but then they signed Michaelis. And I can see them doing that with somebody. By the way, uh, Mulder was a trade, so he doesn't qualify for this either. Somebody else said Kyle Loesch was the last starter that they signed. Mulder was they... a trade. Was he a trade in the offseason? Uh, I was going to say, because he started so. the full, he played a full season with the Cardinals in 2005. So maybe yeah, he traded yeah. for him. He, he had made an all-star appearance, but I, I genuinely, like Chris Carpenter hadn't made an all-star game. Kyle Loesch had an all-star too. game. They just don't sign pitchers with this ilk. This, this is something that we are... Like, under the Bill DeWitt era, I'll have to look back to see if there's somebody that I'm forgetting here, but I'm not sure that there's a all-star sh- starting pitcher that the Cardinals have gone out and signed in free agency where they outbid the market for an all-star caliber starting pitcher. They were right there with Price. Yeah. Right there. They right didn't there. sign him. If they're right there this offseason with DeWitt Snell credit. and Nola and Gray and Giolito and they don't get any of them, and then they fail on the Japanese pitchers as well that are coming over... What about they, Jake Westbrook? They should get crushed. He was traded. Oh, he was traded. It's just, there's not. Damn, Supon yeah, there's wasn't no one. chance Westbrook made an all-star game, right? Uh, he was okay. I doubt he made one, but he was okay in Cleveland. He's like a typical 4-5. I can't imagine him being a Jake all-star. Westbrook was previous iteration version of Dakota Hudson. And no, he did not make an all-star game. Yeah, he did. Better. 2004. How? Well, Cleveland had reference. Click on, click on Cleveland. 3.4 ERA in 2004. Click on Cleveland. See how bad they were. He probably had to be one of those where he it's had like five complete games. Oh, wow. That is surprising. He had five complete games, I mean, which really good led the majors. Huh. Who would have known? He was and CC Sabathia that yeah, season in the rotation, too. He also made the All-Star game. So he was just in on his Someone own said Dan Heron. Dan Heron was also traded for. No, he was drafted by the Cardinals, oh, yeah. I think. Well, Oh, yeah, they traded him away. They traded him to Arizona. Yeah. It's, it's been a hot hey, minute. Dang.
one common theme, they do trade away a lot of all-star pitchers. <laughs> Man, that's been going on a while. All right, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. For Believe It or Not, let's get to this one for you guys. Believe it or not, the St. Louis Blues will end up making the postseason. I'm going to say believe this one. Surprise, surprise. I, I just, I don't see the teams around them being better all season. They might start off hot and then they might fall off but i think a lot of these teams that we're talking about in the same competition are going to be trading significant pieces away by the deadline i think winnipeg and calgary realize what the blues realized this last offseason we're about to head into a retool and we're going to have to start gaining some assets i'm not going to believe it even though i think they can make the playoffs i think i can see the path there i I just have too many question marks of running it back with the same defensive core and asking the forwards to step up. As much as we talk about it being, oh, the defense was the issue, the defense was the issue, I have a tough time seeing Thomas, Kairou, Vrana, Kevin Hayes playing a full length of the ice game and helping with that improvement on the defensive side. And like Vrana, Kapanen, like those guys who you're banking on to be big goal scorers this year for you, I just don't know. So I'm I'm not going to believe it. I can see where this goes wrong in their sellers at the deadline. Again. I'm kind of with him. I, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs this year. I could totally see the upside case for it. It's yeah. there. It, it is. Um, but I'm going to say I'm not believing it. And I also think they're incentivized to sell at the deadline if it's like a question mark one way or the other. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. By the way, we have the answer. Brad Penny. Man. Signed in 2010. Got I'm injured low. that year. He had to be like a one year because I think he never pitched again after he was that year. Two All Star appearances and he got hurt hitting a grand slam. Yeah, but which, they signed him. Yeah, but I don't think it was a significant deal. I think it was like a one year, like well, three no, million dollar. But deal. I mean, that's just signing. If we're going significant deal, then I you probably got to go back to the '80s for that. There you go. Brad Penny is your answer. Never thought I would have said that. Before that, you'd have to go back to Andy Bennis. Still live on the uh, hill that I witnessed Brad Penny's Grand Slam and also witnessed him get injured and never pitch again for the Cardinals. Daryl Kyle fits into this criteria too, but that was 25 years ago. Yeah. Tanner was. Tanner was. I was a thought. Yeah. Not what, even. What year a he signed with the Cardinals? 2000. Okay. So I was like, not it's even been, one yet. Been a hot minute. All right. Uh, next thing that I wanted to get to with you guys. Guys, believe it or not, Michael Lorenzen, if he was on the Cardinals, would not have been allowed to finish that game as he ended up with 124 oh, pitches last night. Believe that. And his no hitter for the Phillies. The difference that happens in this scenario is Rob Thompson walked down there and said, hey, you got 20 more pitches. Ollie goes down there and says, we're pulling you out, man. I need that arm. I'm actually really glad we asked this question because I had this thought process last night while I saw this happen. Did, do we all do we all have such short samples or sh- such short term memory loss? Take two that we can't remember that this exact same scenario happened last year for the Cardinals. Miles Michaelis threw 130 pitches for the Cardinals last year. That was Skip Schumacher making that decision, and Mike Maddox. I, I'm not gonna believe it because I do think. He would have left him in. They were I, up I, seven to nothing. Yeah, I think he would have talked. If it was a one nothing game, maybe it's a different conversation. And they were actually competing for something like Philadelphia is. Um, maybe it's a different conversation. Yeah, the but Cardinals were in this exact situation last year. They won nine to one against the Pirates, and they left him in. And they said, "Go for it. This is history." 
Ollie understands the moment, guys. He really does. I promise you. And he gets what this means to a pitcher. Tell that for them to, to Dak have yesterday. History. Like, not that great. He's been, they've been trotting Adam Wainwright out there to try to get him to 200 wins because it's meaningful. They signed Albert Pujols last year to try to get him to 700 home runs because it was meaningful. In individual games, if a guy has some kind of milestone that they're going for, he'll leave them in. He just doesn't want to leave them in past, you know, 110 pitches typically because every piece of evidence in the history of the sport suggests that that's not good. So, uh, yeah, I I understand. Look, Last night I would have kept Dakota Hudson in, for example. I, I would have. But understand the moment. He, yes, he, he would have left Miles Michaelis in because he, he did that exact same thing last year. I mean, year. had for example, had a, I know he didn't end up in this situation, but Hudson had, what, five no-hit innings in his last start against Minnesota? Had he continued that into the seventh, eighth inning, he's not getting pulled. Yeah, agree. He would have he been pitching, even though, like, disagree. Even though watching Analytics the, say to pull him out of the game and his arm is not going to last. Even though having Hudson pitched past the fifth inning is always, like, extremely nerve-wracking. That's yeah. why Ollie went, sure. all right, he did it, let's <laughs> that's, go. That's like riding a roller coaster when they don't click the thing down yeah. on you. Good job, we're good here. Yep, yep. Let's go home. Coach, he pitches. I've seen enough. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, I'm feeling strong. Don't care. Take so, it to the weight room. So is Mr. King in the pen. He feels yeah. good. John King's ready to go. Whether that's the newscaster <laughs> or the guy we got in the pen. Do we, one of them are coming do we call him Mr. King or Lord King? Mr. I think we call him Lord King. Eh, I like Royal King. We definitely call him Mr. King. Royal King. Burger King? Coming oh, up next. BK. Have it your way. Uh, theme of our show. We'll take your endorsements if you don't mind. <laughs> Tanner made a funny. Coming up Tanner next, never makes a funny. Luke and Baker is absolutely crushing the baseball down in the minor leagues. Doesn't matter. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. So there's something taking place down in the minors that we need to discuss. We haven't done so yet, and we probably should have done it yesterday, but here we are. Luke and Baker is just mashing the baseball, dude. He's hitting 337 for the Memphis Redbirds. He's crushed 32 home runs, and he has an OPS at AAA over 1,100. His season he's putting together is legitimately historic in nature, for triple a statistics that he's putting up and alex i don't know if the cardinals care i don't mean to be crass about this but when you look at the way that their roster is setting up right now it's i know nobody wants to hear it but it's true it's kind of hard to find opportunities for luke and baker and it's because you want to find out what you have in this outfield like if you're giving luke and baker at bats it's exclusively coming at designated hitter for this team and if you do that, it means one of Alec Burleson, Dylan Carlson, Lars Newtbar, Tyler O'Neill, Jordan Walker are not playing on a day-to-day basis. And probably it means two of those guys aren't playing. Are you willing to basically, what you do here is give up at-bats for Dylan Carlson in order to find out more on Luke and Baker? I would think the vast majority of our audience, the answer to that question would be no. I'm certainly not willing to give up at-bats for Alec Burleson or Jordan Walker in order to find out more of Luke and Baker. 
I would like them to focus the rest of the year on Dylan Carlson, Lars Newpar, and Jordan Walker as their outfields with Alec Burleson at DH. Just run with that. I know that means that you don't get to showcase Tyler O'Neill. He hasn't earned that right. If you're not going to play while we're down in in Tampa Bay, you just don't want to play, fine. We'll go ahead and find other guys that do. And we'll give them the opportunities that you have decided by yourself you didn't want. It wasn't good enough for you. The field wasn't up to your standards. All right, cool. When we get back to Bush Stadium, that field's not going to be up to our standards for you either. We'll go ahead and give somebody else the opportunity. I just don't see the opportunity there for Luke and Baker. When we get to September and the rosters expand, call him up because you miss out on nothing by doing so. Give him that opportunity. But Alex, right now, the, the at-bats just aren't there for him, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, look, as much as I want to see him crank 30-plus home runs at the majors and say, like, this is a part of my team next year, is he really going to displace anybody on your roster for next season? I mean, you know what your DH is looking like. You already got three guys that are probably jockeying for positioning in the DH role. He's not playing first base next year. And frankly, he's not going to play an outfield spot. So yeah, you can add him as a bench bat, but I don't know if that does you any justice. If he's not getting consistent at bats, I said this earlier this week when we talked about it, it's literally Patrick wisdom. And I know Patrick wisdom did not put up historic numbers like this, but wisdom hit 31 bombs the season that they brought him up in late August and played all the way through September. And he performed well for him. He hit a couple of home runs. I think he had a like 260 batting average and then they traded him. So Luke and Baker, unfortunately for the people that want to see him and say, why don't you play him? He's a part of your team next year. He's a trade asset. And you know how you build value off of a trade asset? You let him hit 40 bombs in AAA. You bring him up in September, give him 15 to 20 games, and then you're you're, you're shipping him out in the offseason. You mentioned the other name that I would compare it to him to, and it's it's Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt, when he was down in AAA just mashing the baseball in 2017, I remember there, was, there were calls to call him up, right? And he did end up getting an opportunity here in St. Louis. He played like 60 games for them that season. But he spent the vast majority of the year down in AAA and in 75 games for them, hit 335 on the year with an OPS of 1,000. Got the call up to the big leagues and honestly was fine. Was fine for the Cardinals that year. And you ended up trading him for Giovanni Gallegos. That trade worked. So I think that's probably what you're going to see. They're going to cash in on his big-time performance down in AAA this season, but they're going to do so via trade, not by calling him up right now. I think you'll see Luke Voigt, or not Luke Voigt, Fordian <laughs> slip there. I think you'll see Luke and Baker in September. He'll be one of your two call-ups. You'll get a pitcher and Luke and Baker. And at that point in time, he plays probably once, twice a week, and you're okay with it because the season is coming to a close then in AAA anyways, and you'll get him some major league at-bats where he's he's a bench bat, Maybe get him some opportunities late in a game against a lefty, but more importantly, uh, you'll get him a little bit of run and be around the clubhouse here at the big league. You know who you got for Patrick Wisdom when you traded him? Drew Robinson. And I I think he played like five games for the Cardinals. That was it. And it was a middle infielder who was at AAA, had a a cup of coffee with the Texas Rangers before you traded for him. Now, hopefully you get the Luke Voigt return. But to get that Luke Foyt return, you're going to have to get more at-bats, and I think that's what people are clamoring for. I don't know that you do. I, I think yeah. everybody has a scouting report on Luke and Baker. I don't. You're not going to get a lot for him, man. You're just not. You're not going to get a lot for Juan Yepes. You're not going to get a lot for a lot of these guys that are the DH-only types that have shown it at AAA, and everybody's kind of skeptical of whether or not they can continue it at the big league level. And that's okay. I don't know if you're going to get that close to major league ready pitcher, though, for Luke and Baker. Maybe not. Maybe people thought Luke Voigt was a better prospect. Um, But that's the risk you take. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what he's I mean, that's what he's jockeying for. He's jockeying to be traded to another team to get his opportunity. And when he goes elsewhere and people like, oh, my God, you blew it again with Luke and Baker. No, you didn't because you had Paul Goldschmidt. 
Yeah. And you had Jordan Walker. That's and you thing. had Alec Burleson. He should he get opportunities in September? Absolutely, because he's earned that based on his numbers in triple A. But I just can't see the spot where you're playing him. And maybe he can prove in September that he can be a right handed bench bat off the bench next year for this team, but he's so limited in terms of just his positioning. Like there are not a lot of players that have the kind of positioning of Luke and Baker where it is just a first baseman in a DH. Most of those guys are kind of out of baseball now, unless you're an everyday first baseman like an Anthony Rizzo or a Paul Goldschmidt that's a star that can play every day at first base. There's just not a lot of those bench bats that just play first base in DH across Major League Baseball. So he's going to be undervalued, but I think you're right. I think you just kind of cash in your chips. You go, you know what? We did our job. We developed him. Somebody would take a flyer. I could see where a underperform or a rebuilding team like the Royals or the Pirates would say, Hey, we're not getting well, production out of first pop. base. Like Cleveland. You guys need pop, right? Yeah. You need some you need some power? Go ahead and give it a shot. Yeah. You've got a million pitchers in your system. Trade one of them for Luke and Baker. And if it doesn't work out, fine. Who cares, right? You gave it an opportunity. You got club control. You figure it out from there. We did get this text from the 870. Luke and Baker has done everything that the Cardinals have asked him to do, and he has not yet been promoted. This organization is a joke, and you guys are a joke. You've got one more year of Goldschmidt. Alec Burleson is a softball player playing baseball, and he's not going to hit 20 home runs. You got to go ahead and get Luke and Baker these huh. opportunities. So this is the guy that Burley was talking about on pregame yesterday. <laughs> guys, Alec Burleson's a good hitter at the major league level. And he is actually more athletic than I think many of you give him credit for. He is not going out there and like he's not Lars Newbar, don't get me wrong. But he's fine. He can play a capable outfield out there. Luke and Baker is only a DH at the major league level. That is his only position, most likely. So you want to talk about a softball player, like Luke and Baker's that guy. He's a beer league softball player. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can get away with being that guy if you continue to hit. But the the problem is he's just he's on a team with a glut of DH first base types. And he is way too down the list of way too down far down on that list to get opportunities right now. It, it it's just a difficult thing to be, you know? If you're in an organization that has a ton of pitching and you're a really good one and you're on the cusp, like if you're one of the Dodgers prospects for example on the pitching side of things, good luck. It's hard to get into that rotation. What, Same thing here. Here's what people are underestimating, too. Like, it's not easy to be a bench player at the major league level. I mean, we've seen that. Alec Burleson talked about it this year, where he really didn't feel like he got where he needed to because he didn't get the consistent reps. Luke and Baker is solely a bench bat for you. Yep. And nothing is saying that this guy is going to resemble what he's doing in AAA if he's playing once every seven days. Coming up next. We're going to give you an opportunity to win a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals versus the A's, and we'll hit the rewind here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Stewart's American Mortgage. Google the bagel loan. Featuring zero fees and zero closing costs. from today's show be sure to check it out on the podcast page 101espn.com and the free 101 espn app is where you go to find it it is all presented by dobbs tire and auto centers also right now 101 espn has your chance to win a four pack of tickets to next tuesday night's budweiser bash for cardinals versus the a's it's a game that will feature a limited edition gary gaietti bobblehead all you got to do be texture number 101 at 314-399-9646 and you will win those uh tickets here is what you need to answer. If you know the answer to this question, your text number 101, you're getting the four pack of tickets 
What was it that Alex said earlier today would cause a permanent issue for men if they end up getting bit by blank? If you get bit by this... Good issue. You get a permanent issue. If you have the answer to that question, you can fill in that blank. You are getting the four-pack of tickets. Alex, we'll get out of here on this. Tonight, your prediction for Matthew Libertor against the Tampa Bay Rays. Four and two-thirds with five earned runs and three strikeouts. Oh, sounds about right. Four walks. I'll go five innings, five earned, and four strikeouts. Four and a third, six earned, gives up. Some hard contact. We do get a Randy Rosarena home run off of him because it only feels right. And uh, you leave saying, huh? Excited to see him five more days. Props for us for being positive. Nobody said less than three innings. Yeah. Way to go, guys. High five. I think he gets at least four innings tonight and gives up at least five runs. I can already hear the text line. Oh, I already man. have it open. Oh, yeah, I closed it. I didn't want to see it on this Four one. Four that's not a major league pitcher. You can't do that. We'll discuss it all tomorrow for Alex and Tebow, and I'm BK Fastlane's coming up next. She's like, ah. <laughs> You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.